everyone. Welcome back to Anal Eyes Presents Disenfranchised, which is, I think, what we're going to call this podcast, or this sub-podcast, depending on what you want to call it yourself. Uh, I am Dean Engel, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by my beautiful, beautiful co-host, Carter Solomon, who I think might be the actual host and not the co-host, and I'm the co-host, but, you know, we're all no, here I... our own story. I like to kind of deflect and, like, give that to you. That's why I let you introduce it every time, because I would just stumble over my own words. Um, and then I let you close every time. I think you're definitely the host, and I'm just kind of here. Uh, I wouldn't even say co-host, necessarily. Maybe I'm just, like, not even a, an honored guest, like a dishonored guest. I feel like you might be a producer who just keeps talking. And, like, this is supposed to be a one-man show, and you just refuse to accept that. Ooh, I like that. I could be, like, the sound engineer that like keeps chiming in and like you yell at them to be like shut the fuck up like you're not part of this podcast like we don't want you here but then i just keep going anyway no yeah i am the conan o'brien and you are the matt gorley yes (laughs) before we begin what what was your first time seeing this one because i remember seeing this one in in theaters and i i freaking loved it I read like the kids novel you know the novelization that they do i read that beforehand and it cuts off like right before the final battle. So I was worried what? the movie was going to end there and that I would never find out what happened. Um, Wait, when, like, what is the scene? Like, how, do, how does the book end? So the book ends, you know, and again, this is the kids' novelization, so they don't want to spoil everything, but it ends with the pirate armada facing off against the East India Company and the war is about to start and Elizabeth Swan, like, raises her sword and yells, like, Today we fight! And then, uh, then it ends. I just got chills. That actually feels like it would be a pretty good end. It'd like, be to good. the book. I mean, like, it's very vague and, like, you don't get any closure, but you kind of do? I don't know. Like, it's interesting. I, I think it would work for something if it was set up that they were clearly going to lose. You know? Like, if you oh, knew yeah. it was a futile endeavor and they're fighting anyway, I think that is a very fitting end. But that's not what I want in my goddamn Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I want swords and squids and... Well, and especially that's not what you want in your Pirates of the Caribbean franchise uh, YA novelization <laughs> of that. Like, you want the fun part? Like, you don't want vague nonsense. You want closure. Yeah, good literature, bad movie. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I, I, I actually got those as a gift, I think. Um, how old was I? It, it was well after, like, the movies had come out. Like, the, the hype had definitely died. Um, and my neighbors, I won't say their names in case they ever listen to this, but they got me, like, Pirates of the Caribbean novels. I don't know if they were, like, children's novels because the covers looked... From what I remember, they were very boring and, like, beige and just not something, like, enticing to a child. So I don't know if there were, like, adult novelizations or what, but I got those, like, many years after these movies came out. I was like, thanks? I, like, I didn't read them because I just thought it was weird, <laughs> but I think I still have them. I know there was a series of books about Jack Sparrow as a youth and, like, his youthful piracy that I, I had a couple copies of. I don't know if I ever read... I know I read one of them, and it was it was, it was was good. But, like, you know, it, it's not the same reading it as watching it. Although I'm sure there's, you know, good literature out there about Pirates of the Caribbean, but I just haven't really come across it. Okay, but, okay, hear me out. How fantastic would it be 
for a comic book adaptation, or not even adaptation, like, um, sequel series, like, to these movies, or just, like, set in the same world, like, you know, East India Trading Company could still be, like, the villain, um, and just, like, pirates. No, honestly, I would almost rather see that than a sequel series, because we're too into the sequels, and they are, um, what's the word? Bad? Yeah, that is the word. <laughs> and we'll get to them when we get to them. And there, there's All right, some, yeah, let's, yeah. There's some good parts in them, but for the most part, they're, they're no this one. And this one actually doesn't have the best reputation among some people. Like, people think that this one kind of jumped the shark, and that it's too overly long and too overly <laughs> complicated. Shark. And uh, you know what? This is a really complicated movie, and we're going to get very lost trying to describe it. But it is so fun like i yeah this is the one i enjoy the most i don't know if it's the best one but it's the most fun to watch out of the three i think yeah that's fair and, and i don't know if my mind changes every time we start talking about these but i do think this one is the most fun though i think i will stick to thinking that the second one is the best i was thinking about that earlier today and at the end we'll rank all three of them together and because i'm gonna see if i can convince you by telling you what a what a daddy jonathan price as governor swan is and what a son <laughs> of a bitch will turner is did you go to this third movie just waiting for what is it what's his what's his name again <laughs> jonathan what? price governor no no, no. Swan. what's swan you know what's his what's his first name as swan oh, weatherby swan weatherby okay thank you i <laughs> It's so ridiculous that I always forget it. Um, oh, fun fact. Did you... <laughs> speaking about names that you didn't know, um, I don't know if you watch uh, Jenny Nicholson. She's a YouTuber, but she just did a video on ranking all 14 Land Before Time films. And oh, gosh. It was great. Um, but you find out that the father Triceratops in those films, uh, his name is Daddy Tops. No. Really? Yeah. I, that changes everything. Like, <laughs> that changes my entire perspective of those. It really does. But think how better a name Weatherby is in comparison. He's not yeah, Daddy okay, Tops. I will, I'll, I'll concede. No, it's 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 a good name. It's just, like, ridiculous. And that, like, it's so ridiculous that I can't, I can't remember it. And there's so much, like you mentioned, like, there's just so much going on in these movies that I was not you and I did not focus solely on Weatherby Swan's story arc. Um, if you follow though I do it, respect it. You have to look at the deleted scenes for this one. I'm not going to lie. But if you look at the deleted scenes, Weatherby Swan has a full, complete story arc. And I think that's commendable for an actor. Not an actor. The actor's good. But a character that is useless. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's not even like a plot device. I, I I don't know in what situation he actually impacts anything. <laughs> like like okay, Pencil and Rigetti, they as as ridiculous as they are, I think they do actually impact the plot. Like they wouldn't have escaped the island in the second movie if they weren't there already like getting the ship ready, you know? That's true, like that, and as we found out later in this movie, Pintle was carrying, or Rigetti, I don't know which one's which, was carrying something very important for Barbosa this entire time. Yes. Okay, let's let's get to the actual movie, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we're about 15 minutes in, and we're ready to start. All right, so here we go. We're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Uh, I think all... Okay, you can't argue... Okay, wait, one more thing before we actually get to the plot. Oh, Jesus, you, Carter. You can't argue with me that this title at least makes sense 
right? This this title makes the most sense of any of them because they go to the end of the world. I still don't know who the dead man was or what his chest was. I still, you know, I guess the curse was on the Black Pearl, but like I said, it was really the curse of the Aztec gold. But no, this one is definitively about going to the end of the world. At the world's end. Yes. I mean, I think you also could have called it um, Big Pirate Fight, the movie, but that doesn't sound quite as good. That's not as, yeah, climactic and uh, Hollywood. (laughs) Well, anyway, should we jump into this? Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, let's see, I actually do have a memory of this first part, so I will start talking about the synopsis, like right now and then probably just yield to you because i will forget everything else but excellent and i'd like to point out that carter has the synopsis open and i do not so we'll I see who's do. we'll see who's the better knowledge daddy on this one i'm just gonna test you the whole time okay so this one opens once again it's very dark um this is i think my favorite scene in any of the pirate films like this really? is it's fucking brutal man i remember being traumatized watching this as a kid yeah no, okay, so this kid, so let's see, you just have, like, lines of pirates, and I don't know where they got all these pirates, like, I, I don't know, they were so bad at catching pirates in every previous movie, well, but, like, now... Well, they have the Flying Dutchman now, so they can, Oh, like, I see, so it's, like, an seas. off-screen. Okay, all right, all right, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll consent to that. Um, so they you got all these pirates. to that? Yeah, I'll, or I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, accept it, I guess, whatever, it's fine. Um... <laughs> They're all lined up, and they're just hanging them left and right. And I, there's, like, a really dark shot of them, like, pulling off the boots of, like, the pirates that they've killed. And there's a giant pile of boots on the yeah, ground. Yeah, and then and they just, like, throw the bodies into, like, a little cart. Very – I, I kind of laughed, actually. As dark as it was, I'm, I'm kind of messed up in the head. Were but you thinking, it reminded, were you thinking of the Monty Python one? Yes, exactly. Like, I can't see a cart of dead bodies and not think of that scene in Monty Python. Bring out um, your dad. So I was laughing a little bit, but then then this little boy starts singing. Well, first, if you don't mind, um, there's one thing that happens before that, which is lines of pirates, lines of pirates, and then the shot is of the boy coming up, and he is too short for the hangman's noose. And you think for a second, oh, maybe, maybe they'll let him go. He's a kid. And then they bring a barrel for him to stand on. And they hoist him up onto the barrel, and they put the noose around his neck, and he starts to sing. And it is, like you said, just chilling. Yeah, and this kid, okay, it's start, it's. I feel like I was a little weirded out that he was singing initially, like when it's just the kid singing. Does he have a name? Do, do they give him a name at all? I'm like sure in the credits? credits he might, but I didn't look at it. I'm viewing yeah, him. I'm viewing him as better Will Turner. Oh, 100%. Like, he's what Will Turner could have been. Like, actually cool and emotional rather than... Like, there is no mellow, like, melodrama here. Like, it is all... It's just dark. It's just dramatic, I think. It's just all drama. Yeah. And, like, so initially when this kid's singing, just, like, for the first moment where he starts, like, okay, what? Like, what? This is a little weird. And then they all start singing. Like, slowly, like, all of the pirates join in on this song and it is dark. It is like, I got chills. I, I, I didn't cry. I, I don't think I've cried during any of these yet. Um, but I got chills and I was like creeped out. No, it is. It is so creepy and it is just so well done. And it like not all of their voices sound incredible, but that's kind of the point. And it just it's this dark sort of funereal chant. I it's a such a ballsy way to start this kid's movie. Yeah, yeah, 
Exactly. Like, it's they're still kind of kids' movies, but like I think each movie has gotten darker, at least like thematically. And then this one just opens, and you are told, "Hey, we're not messing around. Like, people are gonna die in this yeah, one." Yeah, this one sets the stakes so well, and. Also, this is, I think, why I like this series compared to, like, Star Wars or mainly Star Wars, which is, I think, the closest thing this is to it because they're both Walt Disney properties now and they're both kind of, you know, sort of action-adventure sword-fighting movies. Just one is on the sea and one is in space. And in Star Wars, I just, there's there's nothing quite like this. Like, you see the planet exploded, right? But you don't see actual people dying brutally. And here you do. And I yeah, think yeah. it just feels so much more real and more adult. Yeah, and it's more personal. Like, the, you don't know these characters, but you feel like you start to. And then then they're just killed. And then they're just swept out from under you. Whereas, like, the Death Star or whatever, it's just like a big explosion. Like, there's no... You don't care. Like, it's just, whoa, it, it exploded. It's also great because it sets up Cutler Beckett even more because he is just sitting there watching it and sort of like grinning to himself. And then like the henchman that we thought had died like a movie before like runs over and it's like, sir, they've started singing. And he's like, good. And then he like flips a coin and you see the hangman pull the thing and the song just stops and it cuts to black and the coin flips around. And it's just, like I said, just brutal. Yeah. And it's also that like the cut to black is I love, like, cut to blacks before the title screen. Um, I just, there's so much art to it for me. Um, And this one is very cool. Like, the coin flipping, and then I think, does it go into water, or does it just, like, fall down, and then the title shows? Either way, like, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I will say, one, maybe not issue I have with these films, but there's a lot of magic I don't really understand, which is, like, the song has been sung, which initiates, like, the pirate lords have to be called together, we find out later. Which is very similar to the coin went in the water, which called the pirates in the first movie. So there's a lot of just bullshit magic with coins. But, you know, if you look past it, it's very fun. And, like, I am conf- I was confused about why Beckett, why he's, like, good that they're singing. Like, what, does he know? Like, I, I was just very confused about that. I think Beckett knows that the song has to be sung to initiate the pirate court, and he wants to wipe out the pirate court. Okay, I guess, I mean, maybe we can assume that, you know, Davy Jones rules the seas, so he probably knows every everything, well, we do know as that, much as anyone. Well, we do know that Davy Jones was at the original pirate's court. Oh, okay, yeah, yep, nope, you know what? That's good enough for me. <laughs> All right, yeah, a lot of this movie is us justifying... If it makes sense or not. And to be honest, a lot of it might not. But, you know, if you can find a reason for it and you enjoy it, then hey. No, I think my goal, th- I think not only am I trying to get Pirates of the Caribbean recognized as a true literary masterpiece, um, I'm also trying to wipe out any possible plot holes. And I think we've done a pretty good job so far. Um, we got to justify everything. Yeah, so I, I think this is good. I think I'm good and I'm, I'm pretty happy with Beckett understanding that because Davy Jones would understand it. Exactly. So our next scene, uh, if I'm correct, is in Singapore. Um, you are correct. Uh, Barbosa and Elizabeth have, they've teamed up and they're going to visit um, Sao Feng, who is the pirate lord of Singapore, 
who is played by, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. I think it's Chow Young-Fat. Let me check. You talk while I Google. Um, okay, yeah. There's, like, a little joke in in this that is just... It kind of reminds you that these are still kind of lighthearted movies where they're underwater and... I, I can't remember. Like, a, a group of them are underwater and doing something similar to that boat scene uh, that Jack and Will do, like, underwater... Uh, to go out to the ship they're going to steal in the first one, um, where everyone's wearing like a coconut hat on their head, except for Pintle or Rigetti, whichever one is the bald one with like Danny DeVito hair. Yes. And... Oh, yes, it is Chow Young Fat. I can't believe I got yeah, that right. Yeah, you're right. Hell yeah. And uh, it's just so funny. Like, it's just like that little thing that like, oh, he didn't have a coconut head because he's bald and like his head's really dirty because they're like, once again, just like disgusting and grubby. Um, they're so I grubby. And they're all just underneath the boardwalk, like trying to sneak in and they're having to fight off like, um, they fight off some sumo wrestler type looking guys, which is weird because they're in Singapore. But, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, well, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to it as soon as we finish the Singapore scene about... Because we kind of joke that each movie has one thing that's a little bit problematic. At least this movie gets it over with right away. Yeah, they're like, we we have to do this, so we'll just do it right now, and then we can move on. We can all call it a day. Uh, there's a great scene I like where uh, they have to surrender their weapons to Sao Feng's guards, and Elizabeth is just packing so much heat. And it's honestly just an excuse to get Karen Knightley in a skimpy dress, which... You know, I remember as a preteen, I loved. Yeah, I mean, me too. I, I don't know. I, okay, let's, let's talk about this for a sec. It's kind of come up. How are women treated in this franchise? That is a great question. Um, Over, like, like, I think Elizabeth starts off not very well written. Like, I think Kira Knightley brings something to it. And, like, so she is still a good good enough character in the first one i would um, i would say that yeah kira knightley brings elizabeth one to life in the first one because i would say that she and will are both underwritten in the first one but kira knightley is such a good actress that you notice it less and then in the second one i think she has a little bit more to do because she is you know sneaking on board the ship and she is confronting beckett and she's sort of taking agency into her own hand and there's that last moment where she tricks jack and, you know, she's really the only person who can defeat Jack Sparrow because of, well, their chemistry, because they understand each other in a way that I don't think anyone else does. But also, she is, in that one, still a little bit of a damsel in distress, because it's still like, oh, I gotta find my Will, I love him so much. Um, and in this one, she's sort of objectified in the beginning, but then she goes on, I think, to be a very, very interesting character who basically leads this armada of pirates. So she has a great story arc of damsel in distress to pirate king. Uh, yeah, however, she, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, however, there are a couple moments like this, and then when one of the, uh, there's a scene where, since the group is underneath the floorboards, one of the dumb pirates, the, the not bald one, <laughs> looks up, and he can see up her skirt, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 and he beckons over his friend, and the friend looks up, but Elizabeth has moved at that point. One of the sumo dudes is standing instead. And he looks up and, oh, he sees his balls. And uh, the guy's like, oh, are you, like, gay or whatever? Uh, all subtext, of course. But this is what they're thinking. And it's, like, I remember laughing at the time. But it's it's a joke that hasn't held up super well. No, it hasn't. Like, I, 
yeah, there's some there's some stuff that goes on with Elizabeth that is not uh, not fantastic, and it doesn't did not age well at all. And there's like another scene later with uh, Sal Fang that is yes. like actually pr- terrible. That is yeah, we'll, was we'll, completely unnecessary. But we'll talk yeah. about that one because that scene is it's so strange in the fact not only that it happens. But that it happens so quickly and it's resolved so oddly. Yeah, and like it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I, we'll try to explain that away later, I guess. I'll try to justify it somehow. Uh, the other thing, though, is other than Elizabeth, there really aren't any women in this series besides Tia Dalma that I can think of, at least in the original trilogy. Yeah, I mean, there's like. What what's her name in the first one that we talked about? Who sounded like would be cool to have longer? Uh, oh, Zoe Saldana's character. I don't remember yeah, the, the character's name. Whoever that is, that would have been cool. But yeah, it's pretty much we can only look at Elizabeth's character. I think for the most part, like because uh, Tia Dalma is like pretty cool. I I don't I don't really. I guess there's some cultural issues probably, but I guess we can talk about those in a little bit. Yes, I would. I'm sure there are cultural issues with Tia Dalma, but the actress is just so good that it's something you don't really think about as it's happening. At least I don't. Um, And I I would say that this, as a franchise, is pretty favorable compared to some other franchises, the way they treat women. Um, Oh, especially at this time, yeah. Yeah, like if you look at the other main franchises, we have the Star Wars prequel trilogy, which came out around the same time, which... I, you can argue that Padme is a queen and she does some really interesting stuff, but she's basically only exists to die and to have children. And then you yeah. have um, Lord of the Rings, which is a book series that has no women in it at all, basically, except for one. And I think they handle that one character very well. It's very interesting. But they add in like some action scenes with different characters who weren't there in the books. And then they just write those characters out and then like they become love interests. It's, I don't know. I, I don't mind this portrayal, but I think franchises will do better in the future. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Agreed. Man, okay. So two straight white men talking about feminism. I know. We're, I know. In we're, we're, we need to get some guests. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So they're, yeah. So they're in Singapore. Where, what's going on? They are, there's some of them underneath this like encounter between, uh, who's the captain at this point? Are we thinking it's Barbo- Barbosa is their captain. Barbosa is their right? captain. Barbosa is, I'll, I'll talk about Barbosa in a bit, but Barbosa is in charge. Uh, they're negotiating to get special charts uh, but Will has been captured trying to steal those same charts. Uh, they basically, they need a ship. I don't know how they got there in the first place. They didn't have a ship, but they need a ship. They need a crew and they need maps to reach Jack in the underworld so they can call the brother in court. Uh, a fight ensues. There's a really cool scene where the people underneath throw up swords and pistols. There's a standoff. Uh, they're about to attack each other when the East Indian Company attacks. Uh, there's a fight. Will makes a deal with Sal Fang and Mercer, the guy that you forgot was there. You know, Beckett's, like, right-hand man, who is just so forgettable, was just watching the whole time and did nothing. Uh, he's just staring at them like a, like a fucking voyeur. I think he was, like, very aroused by this entire situation. And so he's like, I can't get involved because, like, I just need to... I need to indulge myself. <laughs> <laughs> I need to indulge myself. Mercer is for sure a cuck. 
Oh yeah. No, hundred percent. Like he loves watching this because he loves watching powerful people do things because he has no actual power and he like gets off imagining that he is one of the pirate lords. Exactly. So long story short, without getting into it too much, um, the our gang of heroes escapes. They get on a ship, um, and they have the charts, and they sail to the end of the world. And that's kind of how the Singapore sequence resolves itself. And Sal Fang agrees to meet them after they get back with his his crew. Oh, and and let us not forget that already, Will Turner has tried to sell his comrades for his own gain. Oh yes, he fucking sucks. Well, first of all, he gets captured in the beginning, which is shown off. Of course he does. Of course he does, because he's so useless. And then he like comes up to Sao Fang and like he gets in his face. Like they're really close together, if I recall. And Mercer's just watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's weirdly sexual. Like, I love this movie, but there are a couple scenes that are more sexual than they should be, and this is one, I think. No, it's very erotic. It's <laughs> And that's like Mercer is there I think to remind us that the scene is about to be erotic. Exactly. That's and his all, function. And also we'll get into this in a second, but uh Sao Fang is so gross. He's just like Barbosa. Like every pirate who isn't Jack Sparrow is just the grossest motherfucker in the world. And there are a couple like racial things that make him like stereotypes that they have sort of played on to make him worse like he has really long fingernails did you notice that wait who oh so uh, Fang. yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> so i okay i've i've struggled with whether or not he is like a caricature of like like an asian stereotype or something and mm-hmm. i don't know like i he seems like, more complex than that, I think? He, he was... I remember I had his action figure. Like, I got it when I was a kid, and he was, oh, like, really? my favorite character to play with. Because he's... Like, maybe it's the actor. Like, Chung and fat is just really good in this, and he brings a level of complexity that I don't know is necessarily written there. But also, he is... That could the, be. His design is... Like I said, it's a little bit stereotypical, but it's also kind of badass. Like, he has the, um, the special so sword cool. he uses. He's so cool. Like, um, yeah. Like, a lot of the other pirate, and maybe that's why they they chose him over the other pirate lords, because, honestly, the other pirate lords are kind of lame, I think. Yes, um, I can't wait to get to the pirate lords scene. But he's so cool. Um, and maybe, okay, I, I'm thinking now, I don't know how good any of these scripts are. Um, like, if you just actually looked at the words, right? But I think the acting, and I think we've talked about this before, even with just side characters... Um, I would say especially with side characters. Yeah, like, it just, they elevate this. Like, I think the the acting and the score are what makes this movie. Like, I think the dialogue, a lot of it is probably, like, pretty wooden and just, like, empty. But, like, the actors bring so much to it. Like, I'm just very impressed. I was very impressed this watch. I would completely agree with you. Uh, the other thing that I think adds to it a lot is the visuals. There are some visuals in this movie that I I remembered from the first time watching it. Like, they're just so striking. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's one scene in particular where they're having a, a treaty on a desert island, and Davy Jones is standing in a bucket of water, 
And like that image has just always been in my head. Like when I think about that movie, that's the scene I think about. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but the long story short is we don't know. We're not sure. Uh, there are for sure a couple things in the Singapore sequence that don't hold up. Uh, I think namely when the monkey lights off a thing of fireworks because there's an explosion right beforehand, and I thought, oh, thank God, they didn't do fireworks, because fireworks <laughs> would just be so... Oh, no, there are the fireworks. There okay. they are, yeah. Um, so it's it's stereotypical, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily hateful. And I don't think it... Again, as, as two white guys, I don't think this ruined the movie for us, but I could definitely see why someone might be a little bit uncomfortable watching the Singapore sequence in particular, and also another sequence later in the film that we'll get to with the same character. Yeah, agreed. For sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so then they leave Singapore. They leave Singapore, and now I think we cut back to um, we cut back to the East India Company, and I give you my Weatherby alert. Oh, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> you ready for Weatherby time? Weatherby yes. hour? Okay. So in the final movie, what we see is it cuts the East India Company, and you see they're watching the Flying Dutchman take down some pirate ships, and there are no survivors. And then Mercer, who is just suddenly there, he got around the world real fast. Yes, um, he did. He says something along the lines of, oh, Davy Jones, you know, he can't be trusted. He's doing too much. And Beckett's like, yes, we have to rein him in. And then he says something along the lines of, oh, yes. And um, I suppose we better take care of the governor because he knows about the chest. And it's all exposition, uh, just them telling us this. Anyway, and then and the like, next... I, d- I, didn't, I didn't get why, like, he needed to, you know, get axed. I, I was like, don't a lot of people know about the chest? Like... Yeah, I mean, there's an entire British regiment guarding this chest, including the two dumbest guards in the like, army. Like, why would you trust them over Weatherby? Like, I don't know. And, and Whatever, it's fine, it's fine. Well, uh, I can actually explain this a little bit more, because I watched the deleted scenes for this movie. Because Ooh, okay. there was some Weatherby stuff. So these scenes are actually taken out of context. There's, a, there's another scene a little bit later in the film where Weatherby and Beckett... And Mercer all go on. Oh, and Norrington all go on to the Dutchman, and they have a confrontation with Davy Jones. And um, Beckett basically tells him, "You do as I say. I'm going to put the chest on your ship now, so that way, if you do anything I don't like, we can just, you know, stab it real fast." And yeah, because then... they're not fully following orders. Exactly. So originally, that scene was actually first. So that scene was first, and there was an extended part of it where Davy Jones essentially turns to the governor and starts mocking him about killing his daughter. He's like, I took down the Black Pearl, and Weatherby freaks out, and then uh, he finds out about the chest, and then he attempts to stab it, and Norrington stops him, and Mercer comes in and says, don't worry, your daughter's alive, but uh, you know we're, we're keeping tabs on her, don't you worry, sort of as a threat. And Weatherby wants to stab the chest, but he doesn't think he really can at the moment because, you know, he finds that the Dutchman needs a captain, which is the first time this information is really given to us. Um, and then that's when the first scene that I described, the one where Mercer is like, oh, we should kill this guy, that happens after that. So it the timeline's a little bit different. They've shifted some stuff around, and they don't really need the scenes with Weatherby, but I think it really explains you why needed them. He, I needed them. And also <laughs> explains why he died, because he found out this stuff, 
and he's able to tell his daughter and it serves it's important to the story that okay. they know this and his character serves a plot function finally that's not just exposition well it is still just exposition but it's less exposition because we actually saw him find out the information and also it makes a lot more sense later on when norrington is like i didn't know they killed your father because he was actually there and he wouldn't have known okay so i hmm, let's see i i will agree that he theoretically could have served a plot function but in the final movies he doesn't because that scene's cut no, you're you're entirely right, and I'm just saying this would have been a perfect film, ten out of ten, if only they had kept that Weatherby scene in, because I am a Weatherby Swan stan. Also, I really highly recommend watching that scene because it's Bill Nye as Davy Jones. They haven't animated him, so it's really? just him in his mocap, and it's so funny. And honestly, it's almost scarier than Davy Jones because he's just acting so hard, and it's freaking me out. And he's just taunting Weatherby Swan, and he's just a spiteful little bastard, and it's so fun. I think I will watch all the deleted scenes, I think, because that does sound fun. And you mentioned this, I think, last time, of just seeing him in the mocap suit, and I would love to see him acting like, yeah. without all the CGI. Yeah. There's um, one other deleted scene that I think is important to mention, but we'll get to that when it comes up in the in the story. Okay. Oh, I know, okay. Okay. Uh, back to my my favorite side character, uh, Norrington gets his freaking sword back, and it's like dishonorable that he's getting it, but also I'm excited because I love swords, and I love when there's so much emphasis put on like a fantasy or like fictional sword, um, and I feel like they've just devoted so much time for some reason, like screen time, to this sword, even though they don't even really show us. Like, I don't even know if it's cool looking. They don't show us that very clearly. I have, a, I have a genuine question about the sword. Does anyone use it in the films beside for Davy Jones? Um, in any of them? Yeah. Like, I, I imagine he uses it in the first movie, but I don't remember him having a sword fight in the first movie. And in the second movie... Yeah, that's movie, what I'm trying to think. He does have a sword fight, but Beckett has the sword at that point. Oh my gosh. I think you're right. It's literally just used... To kill him? <laughs> wow. That's sad. I love him. He deserves more, but I guess he ends honorably. But okay, whatever. He gets we'll, a sword and I'm excited. We'll, we'll get to that. I think they could have used a little bit more Norrington at the beginning of this movie because he kind of just shows up and dies in this one. And he's been a major character in the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, are there any deleted scenes with him? Uh, just the, the Weatherby ones. I need more James Norrington content, but I don't want to watch your British Friends show that you told me about, I think, that has him in it. Oh, I it was don't... like Gabby that told me. I It wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. I think, okay, I think the actor, Jack Davenport, I think is in... Let me, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to look it up. He's in Kingsman. He's in like the first 10 minutes of Kingsman, and then he gets chopped in half. Is he? Yeah, he's the... Um... He goes to visit Samuel Jackson in Kingsman, and the woman with the razor legs chops him in half. Oh, that's sad. He just gets the shaft and everything. Yeah, he is, I think, the actor who is the most stabbable, besides Sean Bean. Oh, I would, yeah, he is very stabbable. I'm going to find this. Hold on. You keep talking. Oh, wait, I think it's coupling. 
Coupling. Yeah, I've Coupling. Never heard of yes, that. it's a British sitcom that I am told is basically just British friends. I mean, that tracked with the name Coupling Friends. Yeah. Is he uh, like a so, main character in it? Yes, he is. He's um like let's see. He played he plays Steve Taylor. I don't know anything about this show. I'm learning right now. But I but think isn't yeah, Steve he's... Taylor the name of the coach on Friday Night Lights? Is it? Coach is this a Taylor, crossover? Right? Coach I... Taylor. I I thought his name was Coach. I don't know. His name might be Coach. It's I I hate football shows and movies more than anything else. If it's I was a sports just... movie, I don't give a fuck. I was just gonna say we should do a podcast on the Friday Night Lights show. Uh, do I was you want watching... me to be miserable the entire time? It's so cringy good. I love it. It's so fun. But anyway, yeah, Steve Taylor, he actually, he's like listed as the first main character on uh, Coupling. But anyway, I'm glad he gets, he got a moment to shine, even I... though not in this world. <laughs> I am too. Um, well, let's get back to what the gang is doing. Uh, actually, let's, let's see what Jack Sparrow is doing. Jack Sparrow is on the Black Pearl in this otherworldly desert, and uh, there are lots of them, and one of them is trying to eat a peanut, and he shoots him, and they're just all these different versions of Jack Sparrow talking to himself, because he's, I think the idea is he's gone insane, he's imagining all these different versions of himself. Um, there's not a lot that really happens here, except for he throws a rock, it turns out to be a crab, it turns out there are a lot of crabs, uh, the crabs swarm the Black Pearl and carry it to the ocean. Um, yeah, I, that's not a lot happens. I feel like the scene is very long. Um, like all it really establishes though is like, yeah, he's still alive or he still exists, I guess. And his boat still exists. And that's kind of it. And it was kind of going crazy, sort of like, and I think this keeps up throughout the rest of the movie. Like you have a lot of scenes where he imagines other vert, like little, little hymns on him, on his shoulder. And then, like in the uh, in the brig on one of the ships, at some point, there's like multiples of him, and I think they look really good. Like having multiples of a person in a shot, I think usually looks bad. Like except for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, and but uh, I think, Austin Powers. Yes, and Austin Powers. But like this, like they all look real. Like, and it doesn't look layered. I, I fully believe that there were just, like, a million Johnny Depps acting as a million Jack Sparrows in this scene. Yeah, it, it looks really good. Um, and I think the idea is he's gone a little bit crazy, and he's really afraid of death, and so he's imagining as much of himself as he possibly can. Because he's come so close to dying, but he is still alive somehow. Um, and then, back on the, the surface world, uh, Barbosa basically leads them over a waterfall, and they crash into uh, basically the underworld, into Davy Jones' locker. Uh, their ship is destroyed, but fortunately Jack is waiting for them with the Black Pearl. And there's a scene where he decides who he wants to take with him and who he wants to leave. And it, it's very funny because he doesn't realize that it's real or that he's dead. And he's just like, oh, Hector, my old friend, to Barbosa, who, you know, he murdered two movies ago. Yeah, who he murdered and who... Bar and who Hector had left him to die. Like, they have a very complicated relationship. They do. And I one thing that I also like about this movie that I realized is one of Will's whole arcs in this movie is freeing his father 
and getting revenge on Davy Jones for capturing him, right? Right? Yeah. You know who fucking killed his dad in the first place? Yes. <laughs> yes, Bar- fucking Barbosa, like, murders his father in, like, a very cruel way. Like, they tied him to a cannon. I mean, that's disturbing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's Barbosa, Pintle, and Rigetti all join together to murder his father, and they don't mention it. They just hang out with these three assholes. Well, and they, I guess it's actually even worse because they don't even fully murder him. They're just like, you're cursed right now, so you're going to live forever, right? Is this what we, we determined, like, time timeline-wise? Like, Yes, yes, he was cursed and he was going to live under the ocean, but Davy Jones saved him. Like, I mean, really, Davy Jones helped him like he gave him purpose right i mean it's a messed up purpose but will came onto the boat and he he came onto the boat and he ruined bootstrap's life and he got him stuck there (laughs) will is a terrible son for it for life for no for for eternity eternity it's will's fault like he should just kill himself no and he all he did it was to get this key like he just wanted to see where the key was and he's Will Turner is a fucking prick, is my point. Also, he and Elizabeth are having this argument for this film, and I can't quite understand why. Because at first, it seems like it's because he's jealous that he saw Jack and Elizabeth kiss, but then later on, he finds out that Elizabeth actually just betrayed Jack, and so there was nothing romantic. And then he's mad about that. Happened. Yeah, he's mad about that, even though you think he wouldn't be happy about that. And she, quite understandably, is angry at will for constantly trying to betray all of them yeah and like why is will mad that will is such a hypocrite okay i thought you know what you've uh you've gotten to me i uh <laughs> i was thinking will was better a better character than he is but his motivations and like just his his whole essence is totally jacked up because he is like we've mentioned the first person to technically do the backstabbing of anyone and it's on Jack. And then he's mad at Elizabeth for doing the same thing to Jack, essentially. Right. After he just tried to kill Jack with a sword on a spinning wheel. Yeah. Oh, mm. Will is the patriarchy and I don't like it. I do not either. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll I'll see if he has any redemption as we go. I, I think he does a little bit, but it gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. Wait a sec. When when they go okay, when the crew of the of the I don't even know what ship they're on or what they're calling it, but when Barbosa and his crew reach the uh world's end, is that when they see the Kraken or is that later? That's that's later. So okay, okay. basically all we need to know is that uh Jack lets them all on the Black Pearl because they need to all escape, and then they basically try to sail out of the underworld, and they're stuck there for a while, and then they see souls moving through the underworld trying to get to where souls eventually go, and you find out that they have to go alone because Davy Jones was supposed to ferry souls, but he gave that up to be like a pirate, and that's what made him all gross and squid-like. So... 
Uh, and along the way, uh, we see Weatherby Swan, my, my favorite character in his last appearance. And he's on a rowboat and he's rowing and he seems a little bit confused, but he's so happy to see Elizabeth. And it's, I think it's a really well acted scene, even though it's mostly exposition. Like it's, yeah, you genuinely, <laughs> you genuinely feel that she feels a loss here. And again, it's a little bit awkward. Gets like, oh, now my motivation is also to avenge my father on the East India Company when she's standing right next to the guy who killed Will's father and Will's doing nothing about it. Again, just <laughs> small plot point that I think is unresolved, but whatever. Yeah. And they all, yeah. I guess it's just the pirate life. Like, you just backstab people and then you just. You can only stay mad at, like, one person. Like, you have to pick someone to be mad at, maybe. That's, like, part of the code. I think that's actually true, because no one is pissed at multiple people at the same time. No, they they can only... They have to choose. Also, we we just skipped over the, like, biggest piece of evidence that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are just flat-earther rhetoric. And, like, the world's end, they, you're just like, oh, they just go down this waterfall. No, they go off the end of the earth because the earth is flat. You know what? You're actually correct about that. Yes, the earth is flat and they do just go tumbling off it. And I'm just glad that we have some representation in the media about that because it's true. And I just – I'm offended that a lot of these other movies that came out around the same time weren't uh, arguing for that. No, I would argue that too many movies treat the Earth as round. I would argue that science also treats the Earth as round, which I am firmly against. Me too. Um, But with that, what happens next? Well, they are stuck in the underworld, and they're worried that they only have so long to escape. And um, Gibbs, Mr. Gibbs, gives us some great exposition, as always, because that's all he is, is just an exposition dump with a fun voice and some nice sideburns. And he tells us, nice hair. And he tells us that, oh, when a soul escapes the underworld and comes back to the real world, there's a flash of green. It always happens at, at like dusk or, uh, yeah, at dusk or in the morning. It doesn't matter. The point is Jack realizes that because they're on the underworld, like they're literally under the earth, they have to flip themselves around at sunset. Or at sunrise. One of the two. I don't remember. Doesn't super matter. And then Jack does this fun thing where he runs. He's like, oh, look at that. And then he runs the other side of the boat. Look at that. Then everyone starts running back and forth and back and forth. And he's trying to flip the boat upside down. And eventually they do. And a couple people get brutally crushed by, like, cannons and falling cargo. And, of course, they're all the Chinese crew that Sal Fang gave them. Because, of course, they are. Um, Yeah. uh, But it's a fun sequence. Pinto and Rigetti tie themselves upside down to the mask mast and then uh they are all underwater they think they're about to die and that's gone wrong and then there's the flash and suddenly they are back in the real world uh we're about an hour into the movie at this point and they've just got captain sparrow back so yeah movie's about to officially get going now we're an hour into the movie and about an hour into this podcast <laughs> i know which is good for us <laughs> we're making good time so they have to go and get water now, and they go to an island, and they try to get water, and it is – the Kraken is dead, and you find out that Cutler Beckett has made Davy Jones kill the Kraken, which I don't know why he did that. You'd think it would be a useful weapon for Davy Jones to use for Cutler Beckett. I guess I hadn't put that together, and I thought that Jack had somehow killed it when he was inside, but no, he – 
died and then his soul went okay okay yeah that makes way more sense uh there's also classic will turn a betrayal uh jack sparrow and barbosa have this fun rivalry throughout the movie where jack wants to be the captain of the black girl but barbosa is clearly a better captain and so everyone is listening to him instead and they're like oh i don't want to go off and leave the ship with you well i don't want to leave the ship with you and then will turner's like why don't you guys leave the ship with me trusty will turner someone who would never betray you and they're like okay and he's just so unassuming because he's such a little turd that you're like yeah whatever i mean he, what damage can he do because he's actually just a trash person just such a such a trash trash boy Ugh, oh no, okay so so while they go to the island they jack i feel like at this point is starting to sort of question his goals maybe Yes. And he's like, wait, I don't want to die again. That was, like, horrible. And, and he and Barbosa have a really great conversation about how, like, they both have died and now they're back. And neither of them know exactly what to do. And Jack wants to be, he thinks, like, what if I could live forever? And Barbosa's like, well, you'd be Jack Sparrow, the last pirate. And he says, yeah, but I'd be the last one. Think how good that sounds. Captain Jack Sparrow, the last pirate. And Barbosa says, that's the problem with being the last of anything. There's only only one of you left. And then they look at the cap, uh, the Kraken. And Pintle and Rigetti are, like, dancing on it. And it's yeah, just, they're just poking it. And it, it looks good. It looks pretty real. It looks much more real in this movie than I think it does in the last one. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like they just got gel, like, gelatin and just... It was. It looks squishy. Like, it looks fun. I want to I wanna poke it, too. I want to bounce on the Kraken. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then... Okay, let's see. Let's... Well, then my notes, my notes at this point, also, just so everyone knows, I like the last note I have is pretty much Barbosa hyphen one liners. I don't know what that's in reference to. I didn't write the quote down. Um, I'm pretty sure that's back in like Singapore. So I and then my notes kind of pick up towards the end, but I'm running blind right now. Barbosa, I think, is very good in this movie. Uh, I just really like Jeffrey Rush in this role. Um but yeah, he does probably have too many one-liners, but I think every character is given more one-liners in this movie than they used to have. Oh yeah, I feel like there are so many cutaways in this one where they're just like, oh, we'll just end it on this really good line. And I'm not going to lie, I love it. I think it's great. Um, I, I actually, I do have a quote. I think it's from way back. It's it's definitely from before they go to like the world's end. But it's like, it's not getting to the land of the dead that's the problem. It's getting back. And then it cuts. And I'm like, you could just end the movie there, honestly. Like, they could end the movie on so many of these one-liners and just, like, tease you for another movie. Like, just do, like, 50, 20-minute movies um, because that's kind of what they start doing. Well, that's what, just... that's what Quibi is. What is Quibi? Quibi's that service you can only watch it 10 minutes at a time. It's, like, 10-minute episodes, and uh, you can only watch it on your phone, and it lost, like, a ton of money immediately. They made these movies with that with Quibi in mind. They did. They, they were like so did. trying to go not direct to TV movies, but just direct to Quibi movies. Well, anyway, I think we've reached the section of the movie that I call Who's Betraying Who? Because they get back to the ship and Cell Fang is there and he has taken over because Will has betrayed them. And then Cell Fang betrays Will to the East India Company. And, um, and he deserves it. It's so good. He, he really deserves it. And it's a little bit confusing, like, everything that's happening. But basically, Barbosa tricks Sao Fang into thinking that Calypso, the sea goddess, 
is in fact Elizabeth Swan. And so she goes with Cao Fang and he sort of sails away and he's not quite sure what's happening. And then meanwhile, uh, Jack gets taken aboard the East India Company ship and he has a sit down with Cutler Beckett. And well, there's a deleted scene here where you find out that the backstory between them is that Cutler Beckett hired Jack to transport slaves and Jack was like, nope. And that's how he got branded a pirate in the first place. Uh, and it's, it's a lot more subtle than that. It's like Cutler Beckett's just the lines of, if I recall, you lost me quite an expensive cargo. It was very hard to recover from that. And then Jack says, people aren't cargo, mate. Uh, and that's that's all it is. And I think they should have 100% kept that. Because that's it, amazing. Not only because it makes Jack Sparrow a more likable character with, like, morals who is anti-slavery but also it really casts the east india company in an even worse light yes no that that's like a two for one Mm -hmm. and like i think we've said in the first episode that there's a lot of omission in these films like of historic uh trends such as slavery and you know it's jamaica but everyone's white uh and i think something like this would have gone a long way but it would have helped yeah, no, I, I think it would have gone a long way because it would have, like, actually grounded – because, like you said, like, they just omit a lot of actual things. But if they did stuff like this, maybe even more than just this one scene, they could kind of allude to this stuff. Because, you know, it is a kid's movie. Like, I guess they're trying – it's supposed to be, like, family-friendly or whatever. But you can sprinkle it with these little bits of horrific truth that has taken place in the past. And right. I think – it, and and I, that I do, would be good. And I do understand for this one a little bit more why they might not have included that because there was already so many horrific things happening in this film. That is um, true. But, like, it should have been at least in one of the other ones. Like, it, And it's just a short line, but I, I really think it would have added a lot of depth to both characters and their relationship. Yeah, no, because I'm thinking – I remember this just the little glimpse of Jack looking down at the pirate or the P branding on him – and it feels it feels very close to getting to telling you something, but it doesn't actually tell you something. Like it's just like, oh yeah, he's a pirate. He's just remembering he's a pirate, I guess. I don't know. But it it miss it feel like it missed that opportunity by omitting this deleted scene. I, I completely agree. I do like this scene a lot though, because I just I like the chemistry between Cutler Beckett and Jack, because Cutler is obsessed with jack but like i said in a non-sexual way he's no mercer he's he's no he's, Mercer. yeah he will never be mercer I, and i think um just back to acting again um i think beckett comes off fairly wooden for me most of the time um but i think in his scenes where jack like with jack or with johnny depp they they bring something out of each other like i think I think Johnny Depp brings something out of whoever. What's the actor's name for Tom Hollander? Tom Hollander. Tom Holland. That's right. Um, I, I I agree with what you're saying. Like I I don't think it's bad that he's wooden in other scenes though. Like I think that's kind of the point of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's just repressed. He is so repressed. And in these scenes with Jack, he is less repressed because he cannot control how annoyed he is at this guy. Okay. Yeah. No. That that is a good justification. I think. I really like Tom Hollander. He's great in a movie called About Time, which also has Bill Nighy in it. Ooh, next movie. Next movie. It's so good. It's 
man, it'll really bring out your daddy issues. <laughs> oh, good. Um, okay, yeah. Wait. So, so Beckett is. I this part is very this this whole movie is very confusing. Like, there are so many different motives you have to track. So, like at this point, I think. Okay, hear, hear me out. This is what yeah. I think happens. I think, and again, I love this movie, but it does have some flaws, including the fact that it is really hard in this particular, like, 30-minute segment to tell who is betraying who and why and what they're doing. So, yeah, it's like, you just, this is one of the times where you just have to, like, kind of close your eyes and then just accept that something is going to happen next. So basically, Jack makes a deal where he will go back to the Black Pearl and he will lead Beckett to the pirate court where all the pirate lords are meeting and once he's there he will try to bring them out to fight like for real so that that way they can just be destroyed and there's no like long costly siege um so that is what jack promises him and then beckett there's an interesting scene where beckett says the thing that he wants most in the world is for jack to die and if he kills jack then the thing he will want most in the world is to destroy the pirate court so he could use jack's compass and then the Jack's like, no, you want me to be there because I can, you know, lure them out. And Kelly Beckett's like, all right, fine, fine, fine. Well, how are you going to get back to your ship? And then Jack does this really cool thing where he ties himself to a cannon rope. He explodes the cannon. He goes flying. He, like, hurls himself onto the Black Pearl and simultaneously destroys the mask, the mast of Kelly Beckett's ship, which I think is called the Endeavor. Yeah, the Endeavor. It is, yes. And then the the guard who is always just saying things is like, do you think he plans it or uh, does he just make it up? As oh, yeah, the guy on? who's just like obsessed with Jack and like, yeah. Yeah, my favorite, favorite side character. Um, And then wait, so who else? Someone else. Let's see. Well, then where we'll, is everybody else at this time? So Barbosa and Jack are still on good terms and they are on the Black Pearl headed to the Pirate Cove. Meanwhile... Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Elizabeth has been taken aboard a South Fang ship, and they are also going to go to the Pirate Cove, because Barboza has convinced South Fang that they're going to release Calypso. Meanwhile, Will Wait, and been... Elizabeth... Okay, do you know why Elizabeth agrees to... I can't remember. Why she agrees to going onto South Fang's ship. What is it in exchange for? That's a great question. I don't quite remember. Don't know? Okay. I think my justification was Elizabeth must have realized at this point that she is obviously not Calypso, but Teodama is. I think I think she's trying to protect her, but I don't know for sure because there's not a scene where like she figures that out. That okay. I think would make the most sense to me though. Okay, yeah. No, I and maybe it's just enough that she wants to I feel like a lot of times, and this maybe just goes back to the first movie even, like she wants to figure out what's going on and she'll like put herself in these situations just to like see what's going on. <laughs> like in the first one, she's, she says, yeah, I'm uh, Elizabeth Turner. Uh, yeah, I got this coin. Uh, I'm a pirate. Uh, and I think she just wanted to follow through and like see where, where it was going to take her. And then in this one, she's like, yeah, you think I'm Calypso. I'll go along with it. Sure, like, I'm Calypso. Like, she's just trying to... She's doing recon this whole this whole oh, series. I like that a lot. She's saying yes and and trying to get more information. Yeah, like, she's she's infiltrating these org, organizations to find out what's going on. Yeah, and I think it's... 
it's very interesting because she's always putting herself like in danger, but she's always able to handle herself for the most. Yeah, part. she's she's a badass. Like she's a badass. She, she's she's great. Like Karen I think she is great. a really good. Yeah, she is. Like she's a fantastic character. But, but okay, you know anyway. who's not a fantastic character? Who? <laughs> Will Turner. Yeah. 100%. So the next scene of him is uh, he has been throwing. Okay, for some reason they left all of the dead bodies from like the fight they had with. I guess the East Indian Company uh, on on the Black Pearl, and he is tying them to barrels and throwing them overboard so that the East Indian Company can follow where they're going. Um, yes. And Jack is like watching him, and he's like, "Oh, you escaped from the brig faster than I thought," which is weird because we never saw a scene of Will in the brig. Oh well, doesn't matter. The movie's three hours long. You don't need that. Yeah, we um, need to cut a little bit. Uh, long story short, Jack gives will his compass and then he breathes in his face and jack's breath is so bad that will steps backward and falls off the ship and onto one of the barrels and is picked up later that day by color beckett and the east india company and so he has jack's compass so that way they can follow them without the trail of bodies i love the reasoning i just love how will falls off I think it's fantastic. I believe it. I'm like, yeah, I could see Jack's breath being that bad that you just kind of like stumble backwards. Um, I 100% agree. Like Jack does not brush his teeth. No, he's never brushed his teeth. I I think his if he has any teeth, they're rotted out uh, and they are just foul smelling. Oh, Jack is he's so like we, we say that all the other pirates are grosser than Jack. But I think like Jack probably has the worst breath. Yeah, I think um, Barbosa has really good oral hygiene, actually, um, because apples are, like, pretty good for your mouth, and just, like, it, it helps balance all the pH and stuff. Oh, yeah, Barbosa um, has that good mouth. Yeah, and, like, you know, he, he drools a lot, but, I mean, the more spit you have in your mouth, like, the more active that is in breaking down these like bad things in your mouth and that's I think, true the cleaner your mouth is the more spit nine yeah. out of dentists say that yeah um nine out of Col- ten dentists sorry sorry we have to say that we're colgate sponsored um but yeah oh, so i, oh, I shoot. think jack I'm, I'm never has fresh. eaten an apple oh yikes <laughs> yeah well i'm sorry um but yeah so jack has bad breath Ult- is the is the moral of the story Exactly. And now let's cut over to see what's happening with Elizabeth. Um, she gets dressed up. Selfang uh, makes her dress up in a fancy, uh, slinky Asian gown, which, you know, uh, might be a little bit problematic, uh, especially in this day and age with cultural appropriation and all that. And I think it's, um, she looks like, it's a cool costume and it it goes with what her character is doing in the movie and like how she's kind of uh, grown as a person. But I definitely see why it's a little bit strange watching this white woman wearing like basically Asian pirate clothes for the rest of the film. Um, yeah, especially like I, I feel like what Sal Fang wears, not, like it's not always it, it, it feels more like generic pirate sometimes than yes. this like hyperbolized asian pirate thing that they're doing with elizabeth well anyway so selfang says hey you're a goddess and uh i want you and he tries to really aggressively kiss her and you know it's it's pretty rapey like it's it's shot in a very rapey uncomfortable way and then she shoves him back and 
you don't know what he's going to do. I, I, he might sort of apologize, but it doesn't look like he's exactly stopped. And then his ship explodes. Yeah, and okay, this scene, like, I don't get why he do. I don't understand the motivation at all. Like, I, it just seems like it's just weird. Like, it seems unnecessary entirely. And, like, I feel like rape scenes oftentimes are unnecessary completely and like they're and that's what makes it even worse that it's included in something um so yeah, like this, this one being like actually serving no purpose like there's there like it's not even like a plot point like it's not like a plot device like it doesn't move anything further it doesn't it doesn't really change anything like it just feels that much more unnecessary to me and like i don't know like this is the scene that I have a problem with. And I, I think you could argue that it's saying that, you know, piracy is dangerous for women and that these people are, even when they're presented as the heroes, that they're deeply flawed and that they're very, you know, sexist and violent. But, you know, I feel like this was not the way to convey that. And also yeah. it never comes up again. Yeah. I, like yeah, I, I mean, I don't have much more to add. I think that this part was. I I feel like they could have scrapped this weird rape thing and just actually given us more of their interaction, and then like or give us more of his death that happens in the next like thirty seconds because this whole scene is maybe what like a minute and a half long. A minute at, and a half, yeah, at longest. And like. The part where he dies and names her captain is much more important and like interesting and necessary. Um, so I wish they had spent like a little more time because it's very rushed and very confused. Yeah, I really just wanted a scene of them sitting down and like having tea and just like he's like, oh, this is why I'm a pirate. And she's like, okay, well, I'm supporting this because blah, blah, blah. And just actually like talk to each other because I feel like, you know. Chang Yifat's a great actor, and they just don't use him nearly well enough in this movie. Yeah, I agree. And, and maybe that's part of the problem. Like, it's just they don't utilize him enough because I feel like what this franchise does is it realizes the, the value of certain characters, and then in the next movie, they are like, oh, we need to utilize them more, you know? Yeah, the same way they use Norrington a lot more in the second movie. Yeah, and, and um, like, I, I think Jack from the get-go was, like, the main focus, I guess. Like, from the first, they knew that going into it. But, like, I think Elizabeth and Will, maybe their plot is kind of milked in the second and third because, like, I think Elizabeth, and I won't, I can't actually defend Will anymore. But they're like, okay, Elizabeth's got a good character. Like, we can, like, she's very good. Her acting, like, is superb and we need to utilize her more so we need to get this bigger plot but they've already gotten stuck with like the will thing but i i think that's what these movies the problem that they run into is. can you imagine how much better these movies would have been if in the opening scene of the second one one of like the dumb guards like accidentally shoots will in the face and he dies yes and, <laughs> and then the movie is just you know elizabeth maybe she's trying to resurrect him sure but then he's not actually in it like uh so much better that would be so good. I I, ugh. I feel like they just keep him on because he's like eye candy 
and like he's he's so hot but he and is like just, i'll totally admit like he is eye candy he's definitely eye candy he's an attractive <laughs> man and he has a he has a weird mustache though like he has he keeps shaving his goatee in different ways like in different scenes and it's it's a little bit bizarre okay but i like it i'm into it <laughs> no you just you just want a little beard to tickle you i do but yeah, he, he could have... Oh, what if they just kept him around as, like, a dead body? That would be good. Like, they're just like, Orlando Bloom, like, we're going to keep casting you, but that's literally just going to be like, you're going to... Oh, we'll just keep your body like they kept Lennon's body, you know? <laughs> and, like, they all just look at it on the pearl. But, okay, anyway, sorry. Yeah, they make him, like, the, the masthead. Yes! Yes! Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, like, tar his whole body and just... Oh, that would be good. Shoot. Oh, we're on to something. I agree. Uh, anyway, uh, moving forward in the story, uh, the Dutchman has attacked the uh, South Fang ship because they were told to do so by Keller Beckett, who was following them, and uh, they capture Elizabeth and the pirate crew. Uh, South Fang has named her captain and given her uh, some object, which we will get to in a second, and uh, lo and behold, the Admiral on the flying dutchman is norrington and they have a little scene together and eventually norrington uh releases them he cuts their ship free but as he's doing so he encourages the wrath of bootstrap bill turner will's father who has now become part of the ship uh by being you know bound to it for eternity he's become a lot more ship-like he's lost a lot of his mental faculties and he's sort of just you know he's just existing but not really living uh, he sees prisoners escaping, and he he stabs the hell out of Norrington. Uh, Elizabeth is able to escape, and there's a great scene where Davy Jones comes over, and he takes Norrington's sword, and uh, he says, James Norrington, do you fear death? And Norrington just sort of shakes his head and dies, and it's it's great. Yeah, it... <sighs> And again, we don't know how old he is. Like, he looks younger in this film than he does in the opening scene of the first one. Yeah. And I, okay, and I started thinking about just, like, his progression again. And it's such a fitting end. But, yeah, how the how old is he? Like, there's so much time that has passed between, I guess, even between movies, there has to be, like, multiple years, te- like, theoretically, right? I mean, because... at least, I think at least a year passes between the first and the second one. And then between this one, at least a couple of months have to go by because they sail to Singapore from the Caribbean. I, it's got to be a, a long time because now, because, okay, because Norrington has been able to get back with the heart to uh, Beckett. And then he's now, he's established himself enough again because I, I feel like they'd still, he'd still have to rebuild his position like he wouldn't just be like okay now you're you're an admiral again because you brought us his heart i don't think and so he's got had to like work up and gain beckett's trust again sort of it's like this all has taken quite a bit of time and i don't know what my initial point was with the time passage but yeah (laughs) no it's the point is norrington is old but maybe not i'm gonna say he's 50 the entire he doesn't age he's 50 from the first scene in the first movie until his death maybe he was part of like the original pirate council maybe he went back and took one of the pieces from uh the aztec gold mm, i was gonna say maybe he found the fountain of youth 
And that's why he's so young. Oh, that could work too. Yes. We can explore that in the next movie. We'll get to that in the terrible, terrible fourth movie. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what's going on? Um, Well, uh, Elizabeth is able to uh, escape with her crew, and she sails towards Pirate Island. Meanwhile, we get to Pirate Iron Island with Jack on the Black Pearl, and uh, we get some great exposition with Gibbs, who is just explaining (laughs) what Pirate Island is. And all this good stuff is a pirate island on the town of Pirate Cove and the oh no it's Shipwreck, shipwreck Island. Sorry, Cove. I'm so sorry. Shipwreck Cove, Shipwreck Island, Shipwreck Bay, the town of Shipwreck. Uh, you know, just just giving us some good old exposition. I was actually worried at the beginning of this. I'm like, I can't remember how much exposition does Gibbs give in this one. I feel like it's less. But then I remembered he has this long monologue here, and then he has a long monologue um, when they get to the pirate court where he's explaining who the pirate court is. And why they are what they are, and what the pieces of eight are. Yeah, no, we're a little starved for Gibbs exposition, but then they definitely remember him and that, like his sole purpose. So they they bring it back for us. Yeah, Gibbs has nothing to do except for talk at the audience. Oh, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> um, so let's just talk about motivations real quick. Okay. So the pirate lords convene, and what Barbosa wants is to free Calypso because she brought him back to life with the promise that he would free her and she can unmake him at any time. He also puts her in the brig for some reason, which I was confused about. Um, I don't remember that. Barbosa puts her in? Yeah, I think the reason is because he doesn't want the other pirate lords to realize that she's there. Yeah, I... I would agree. Yeah, okay, I think Barbosa. I guess I didn't really put together that he was just repaying her for bringing him back. I feel like morally in this one, he's kind of actually, like, acting as a moral agent. Like, I think he's, like, it was wrong that we captured her. I feel like he maybe grew, like, sympathy for her because she saved him, and he's like, well, she's not all bad. Like, I don't know. Do you get that vibe? I get that vibe as well. Yeah, there's the one scene where he, like, snaps at her. But I think, generally speaking, he is... He's morally right in almost all of this movie. Like, he doesn't betray anyone. Yeah, he's very honorable. Everyone else betrays everyone else. Like, honestly, the only person Barbosa ever betrays in any of these movies is Jack Sparrow off-screen in the first one. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, and then it's pretty much – and then he, they kind of just get along. Like he's just like, you know what? It didn't work. Like you escaped, so I guess like I won't hold that much against you. And I got to say the relationship between Jack and Barbosa and how Jack is always trying to like prove that he's a better captain than Barbosa is very enjoyable to me. And I also like the idea that everyone else, even like Will and Elizabeth, acknowledge that Barbosa is the captain of the Black Pearl. Not yeah, they Jack. all. Yeah, Jack just like follows around and like shouts things, but like they're listening to Barbosa. And that's just very funny to me. Like, like Jack has zero respect. Like, kind of rightfully so, I guess. But, but okay, yeah. So okay, so that's uh, Barbosa's motive. What do, who? Okay, so what is Elizabeth's motive at this point? Elizabeth's motive, I think, is the most honorable. It's to fight the East India Company because they are trying to control the seas and because they killed her father. That is her main thrust. Like, she thinks that they are a greater evil than the pirates, and so she's encouraging the pirates to go to war against them. 
Okay. And okay, at this point, do you think she still cares about Will? Like I know they get married in a little bit, but like I just lose her, her train of thought on that aspect, I guess. I think she still cares about Will, but I think she's not thinking about it. Okay. All right. Um, oh, there's that scene where uh, he's like, someone's betrayed us. Ah, where's Will? Oh, I messed up that joke. It's The joke is that uh, someone says, oh, we've been betrayed. Oh, it's probably by someone who's not even here. Where's Will? Oh, he's not here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, she, she deserves better. She deserves Norrington, honestly. She, she deserves Norrington. She deserves anyone else. You know, she deserves... Who's the who's the most eligible bachelor in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe? Um, I mean, Beckett has a lot of power, but I mean that's fleeting. Yes. Um, I think she just needs to be single. I would I would agree with that. Um, like she doesn't need a man. Like she, she's pirate king. Well, not yet. She's she's like a pirate lord. Yes. Well, let's get let's get to her being pirate king. Okay. So, Barbosa pl- says that we should release Calypso. The other pirates are like, nope. Um, Elizabeth says <laughs> that we should go to war. The other pirates are like, nope. Mm, not feeling that one either. <laughs> um, they have to put in all of their pieces of eight. So the pieces of eight are objects that the pirate lords all have. And you find out one of the reasons they had to bring Jack back was because he did not pass along his piece of eight to a successor the way Sal Fang did. Uh, the same with Barbosa, I believe. Um, and Barbosa's piece of eight is actually either Pindle or Regetti's eye, whichever <laughs> one uh, doesn't have the eye. And that's just a fun tidbit that he's been carrying around this very important thing for a long time, which I think in the logic of this universe should have made Pindle or Regetti, the one who has the eye, the pirate lord, Right. Like if Barbosa dies, he's technically passed it on. Yeah, and so for a while, if you think about it, then during the time that Barbosa is dead, up until up until this moment, um, Pintle or Rigetti is actually the pirate lord. Yeah, I would argue that up until Barbosa meeting them again on the uh, in Tiadalma Shack. He was the pirate lord. He was acting pirate lord between the end of the first film and the end of the second one. Wow. He's got a lot of power. Maybe that's... Okay. Maybe Interesting. he's the most eligible bachelor in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you think about it, it would have to be... I think the most eligible would be someone very powerful, and it would have to be another pirate lord because they're kind of gaining in power at this point. Hmm. Or maybe... Oh, I could get into her and Calypso. Oh, I could as well. I could get into Pintle and Calypso, though, because there's a great scene later on that I cannot wait to discuss. Um, also, just a minute about the, their pirate lords. I think that it's it's fun, and I don't think there's anything super offensive here because everyone is such an extreme stereotype. Like, the French pirate, I think, is arguably the worst portrayed one. Um, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> um... But then uh, there's a really – I really like – there's a female Chinese pirate who is very funny. Um, she is just very angry and gruff the whole time. She has maybe like five lines, but she's very enjoyable. Uh, the yeah. only other pirate lord to really speak is there is a Ottoman pirate lord who has other people speak for him. And then later on when he says something, you find out <laughs> he has a very high-pitched squeaky voice. It was – that's a good little – 
joke. Like, yeah, I feel like everyone here is kind of just like a caricature of different mm-hmm. things. And yeah, it doesn't. It, none of this read as that offensive to me. Mm-hmm. As but a white, we go as a white American man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we find out a little bit more about Jack's backstory because uh, someone says, "Screw the pirate code," and then someone shoots them. And the camera zooms over to Keith Richards, who uh, is who Don Johnny Depp based some of the performance of Jack Sparrow on. And he's just an old, gross pirate captain who is reading the pirate code book. And he whistles, and guess who shows up with the keys? Our favorite dog. And then someone's like, how did, how did he get here? Sea turtles. Sea the turtles. culmination of two incredible jokes coming together. Yeah, it, it ugh, it's so good. It, it, like, they just get better each time, and, like, the payoff is bigger, and the stakes are bigger, and, like, everything is just hanging on, like, this thing. And it's, like, the writers... It doesn't even feel like they're just writing it off with this joke. It just... It's, like, pirates are lying. Always. And the sea turtle thing, that's just, like, that's the explanation. That's all you get. That's all you get. That's all you need. It's fantastic. I agree, and I just love the idea that the dog's keys were for this the entire time. Yes, like, uh, it, they never probably would have gotten out of that cage. It, it's just, it wouldn't even help. It didn't even go to that cage. I, I don't know about that, because I think it also went to the cage, because how else did Pendle and Rigetti escape? Because they have the dog with them when we see them again. Uh, Leverage. Leverage, you're right. They just <laughs> brought the dog with them from Funzies. <laughs> they just like dogs. Um, that was derailed. Let's see what, uh, so they're voting. They're going to vote on what to do, but nobody, everyone's just voting for themselves. Oh, real quick. Um, we, can we also acknowledge that Johnny Depp's mother is a shrunken head? I would love to not acknowledge it. Okay. Um, Moving past that. (laughs) Who could she be? Like, do you think she was another pirate? I have no idea. It, it was so weird, and, like, I laughed at it. How's like, mom? I, <laughs> I don't know the point of it. I liked it, but I don't know the point. I know. I do, too. I, uh, that's why I, I just don't want to acknowledge it. <laughs> anyway, Some things yeah. are just let, better left in Davy Jones's locker. Some things are better left unpodcasted. Um. Okay, yeah, so they're they're going to vote. Oh, wait, okay. Should we talk more about like the Calypso lore, I guess, or do you want to wait? Let's let's wait because there's a, another scene that's happening simultaneously that is my other favorite scene of the franchise. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so they're gonna vote on. Well, no, let's see. Somebody says that only the Pirate King can what make the ultimate decision or something yeah only the pirate king can declare war but there is never a pirate king because each pirate lord only ever votes for himself and the thing is i can't remember if gibbs is giving this exposition i don't think he is but in my head he is you know no i I, okay i i feel like they say we can vote for pirate king and then i feel like gibbs is whispering that to someone I, i i genuinely think that he is the one that says but you can have, we never have one. There hasn't been one in this many years because everyone always just votes for themselves. <laughs> See, I think Barbosa might be the one to actually say that, but it might be Gibbs. And I'm going to remember this Gibbs because that's all Gibbs is good for in these films. Yeah, I'm going to start replacing every character 
with Gibbs's face in my head, like in my memories. Please, please do. Oh my God! Can you imagine uh, if Gibbs was like at in Davy Jones's locker and there was, and was like fifty Gibbs? Yes! Oh my God! <laughs> so good. That is the only thing that could make this franchise better. I one hundred percent agree. <laughs> Alrighty. So then, um, Jack calls for a vote. Each pirate king votes for themselves, except for Jack, who votes for Elizabeth Swan, and that means that she is the pirate king. Yeah, and it's dope. And also, her outfit at this point is very cool as well. It is. It's it's very cool. She is just she's a badass. She is. She is a pirate now. Like she has gone from governor's daughter, um, to pirate. She is everything that pirate Will Turner King. is not. Yes, exactly. Like she assumed Will's potential destiny. I feel like. Um, wow, I I hadn't. I just said those words and I don't think I fully understood what I was saying or like what I was thinking until I said it out loud. But she literally just like Will Turner never stood a chance because this motherfucker stole his coin in the first movie, (laughs) in the first scene. And like he was never going to be able to recover from that. Like she turned into what Will Turner could have been. Oh my god, I did not realize that. You're 100% right. I think that's the only reason we did this podcast, is so we could come to a realization about a movie we like. Like, that feels groundbreaking. I don't think anyone's ever thought of that. <laughs> Man, I I really hope not. I hope this is a Carter Solomon original. Wow, okay, you heard it here first, folks, on Analyze uh, Presents Disenfranchised. Um, <laughs> okay, so she's Pirate King, and she's like, haha, bitches, we're going to war. Yep. Oh, and oh wait. Um, and during this, they've they've collected all of the pieces of eight, the nine pieces of eight, which I love, and I love that we don't really ever get like a full explanation, I guess, of why there's like a ninth, do we? Uh it was well Gibbs explains that it's <laughs> Gibbs says on the lines of Well, the original pirate lords were uh, two to one skint broke. So uh, it sounds better than nine pieces of whatever we have in our pockets. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Um, so they've collected, well, Pintle or Rigetti, the one with the eye, has collected all of these. Except because they needed it. Yeah, except for Jax, because they needed it for the court to, like, adjourn or something. Or, like, just start. Well, we find out later that Barbosa needs it to release Calypso. Yes, but I mean, so at this point, they've, they've gathered all these under the guise of yes. just for the meeting to start. And then... Barbosa, there's like a little scene that I don't remember ever actually seeing until this recent watch through of Barbosa being like, take it, just like hide it. And then Pintle or Rigetti. Uh, I love that it's it's like it's just one name. Like, I don't know who's who. And he like puts it in his coat and you're like, oh, that's going to be important later. Yes. I did not remember that before either. It's a great little scene. It's like half a second, but it's just it's very enjoyable and it makes a lot more sense later on. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but as all of this is happening, uh, there's another scene going on at the same time in the hold of the Black Pearl. And we found out through the course of these movies that Davy Jones used to love the goddess Calypso. He promised himself to serve her by ferrying souls for 10 years so he could spend time with her on land. But when he's finished ferrying the souls, she is not there. She has betrayed him. Uh, as, as he thinks. And so he vows to stop fearing souls, and he is the one who teaches the pirate lords 
to bind Calypso so they can rule the sea. Um, so Calypso is sitting in the hole of the Black Pearl and Davy Jones shows up and they basically just discuss their feelings. And there's an incredible scene where she reaches forward and she's like, you don't have a heart. And she holds where his heart would be. And he becomes human again for just a second. And it is, it's honestly the emotional core of this movie, I think. And it, what makes Davy Jones more than just a one-off antagonist is the fact that you see the betrayal here. And you also see two people who clearly used to love each other and they don't now. And it's just, I, I this movie would be so much worse without this one three-minute scene. Yes, and they, oh my gosh, they're... They put so much into it. Like, it is so believable, and it's so beautiful. Like, I think in this part, I, you know, I didn't cry, but I'm, like, I'm very emotionally invested in their story. And, like, the organ music that you hear Davy Jones playing the entire time is kind of playing behind them, and it's just, it's so fucking cinematic as well. Yeah, and, and I think, like, metaphorically, um, like, this story is just so great like davy jones is just like he's in love with the sea and the ocean right he's just like essentially a sailor like he is just a true sailor and calypso is just like metaphorically the ocean or the sea and like he loves calypso and and she talks about how if she was anything other than what she actually what she is would he still love her and it's like no he wouldn't and He's just in love with the ocean. Like, that is essentially what it is, right? Yeah, that is that is exactly what it is. And it's just summed up so perfectly here in, you know, in a way that even Mr. Gibbs with his exposition <laughs> mouth could not, could not beat. No, he wouldn't come close. Like, this is the only time that I think Davy Jones, or another character, in this case Davy Jones, is capable of taking on Mr. Gibbs's mantle. And that's a, that's a really hard act to follow yeah and it's through saying a lot less as well oh yeah and it feels less exposite like it feels like a conversation like you learn something (laughs) like this is how a writer should approach exposition between two characters because a lot of times when a like a character says something to another character that they already know it feels really fake like you remember that time you betrayed me right but because here it seems like an accusation and she's sort of defending herself it feels like an actual conversation where information is being given, not, well, let me tell you about the backstory, shall I? Yeah, like, you get more out of their relationship than you get out of three movies worth of Will and Elizabeth's relationship. I would 100% agree with that. I almost wish that if they ever rebooted this, that it was a prequel about Davy Jones and Calypso and, like, the adventures they went on before all this started. Like, I would love to see that. Yeah. Oh, they're so cool. Oh, that would be really good, actually. That could be the comic! That should be the comic. You know who they should, uh, like, cast as young Davy Jones? Who? Uh, Domin Hall Gleason, because he plays Bill Nighy's son in that movie About Time I was talking about that will give you daddy issues. Is he a good? I don't don't know who that is, or I can't picture him. He plays, um... Uh, one of the Weasleys in like the last Harry Potter movie, and he's the the redhead oh. general in Star Wars. Yes. Oh, he is good. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, I could get. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. 
Okay, we need to we need to get this uh, into production. Quick, call Bruckheimer. Um, okay, okay, so let's see. Where were we? <laughs> oh, uh, so this scene happens. It's great. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, then the pirates are about to go to war, but first they call a, a parley. So uh, it's a desert island, and it's Barbosa, Jack Sparrow, and Elizabeth meeting with Cutler Beckett, um, Davy Jones, and Will Turner for some reason. <laughs> And Davy Jones is standing in a bucket of water, and it is such a funny image. Like, it's so epic, and, like, there are a lot... Everything's at stake. Literally, at this point in the movie, everything that's built up from the past two is at stake. And here's motherfucking Davy Jones standing in, like, half of a wine barrel of water. It's yeah. so good. It's it's so good. Uh, but for some reason, they... Elizabeth trades... Will Turner for Jack Sparrow, which is the worst trade in the world. She's done it twice now, if you include the end of the second movie, where she, like, sacrifices Jack to the Kraken. And her reasoning for it, I believe, is that she thinks that Jack has betrayed them by getting the Armada out in open water, which is sort of true. Um, But then... Well, and Beckett, and she thinks this because Beckett's like, don't you want to claim your reward? Yeah. And then Beckett's like, uh, oh, here's, you know, your compass back. I mean, it's a good trade-off. It's a, it's a, the worst trade-off in the world. Let I would I would give you Jack Sparrow if you killed Orlando Bloom in front of me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, okay. All right, that's fair. I do mean Will Turner, not the actor Orlando Bloom. But you know, I I'll stand by what I said. But I will take either. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. So then then they oh, go they oh, go off. Real quick, importantly, Barboza cuts off one of Jack's dreads, which you find out is yes. one of the pieces of eight. Oh, and I feel like it's very cool. Like the, the it's cut. a great shot. Yeah. Does the does Monkey Jack go and grab it? Monkey Jack grabs it. Yeah. Okay. I love Monkey Jack. I feel like we we haven't given him enough credit. I one hundred percent agree. Jack the monkey is arguably a better character than Will Turner, but a much I, worse. I don't character. even think arguably. I think it's just like that is for sure it is. But he's a much worse character than Weatherby Swan. Oh, uh, is so for you? Is the scale Weatherby Swan to Will Turner in terms of acting? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. We'll we'll have you rank people uh, in a little bit. Oh, I'm so excited. Um. Okay. So then, so he's got the he's got all the pieces of eight now. Yes. Uh, and then they go back to the ship. Are they back, to the Black Pearl? Right. They go back to the Black Pearl and. Um, Barbosa basically releases Calypso. He gets all of the pieces of eight together, and he says this incantation, but then he finds out... I want to say that Mr. Gibbs explains it to him. I don't know how Mr. Gibbs knows it. I don't even remember if it is actually Mr. Gibbs at this point in the movie, but, you know, probably is. Explains that you have to say the words as if you're saying it to a lover. No, it's it's uh, it's Pintle or Rigetti. Pintle, no, Pintle is the one who does it in a second. Because Barbosa oh, okay. tries to do it, and then Pintle is like... No, you got to do it like this. You didn't say it right. Calypso, <laughs> I release you from your bonds. And it works. And I don't get, I, this part, I'm like, I don't get how that is, like, the difference. But he's so sexy. He is, he he's, is though, he's the, so erotic. He's a former pirate lord with a cool-ass eye patch now. And um, he does look good with an eye patch. He looks with the eye patch, and he has that sexy little stubble. Pintle and Orgetti. This is the most 
successful bachelor in the Pirates of the Caribbean cinematic universe. Convince me otherwise. I can't. No, I agree. I think I think Elizabeth should have gotten with him. Oh man, I agree. Maybe in a future maybe in a future movie. Maybe maybe the kid at the end isn't Wills. It's Pintle or Case. I mean like I I'm just saying like who else was out there? Like who helped deliver that baby if not the father? Mm, you're so right. You're so right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, they release Calypso. She grows real big and then turns into a whirlpool. And basically, it is a final showdown. The Armada of Pirates is on one side of the whirlpool. The uh, East India Company is on the other side. And the Flying Dutchman and the Black Pearl are going into battle inside of this whirlpool. And it is fucking incredible looking like i think it looked really good what did you think oh yeah no it's so cool and like i think all the ship battles are are like pretty awesome but this one is dark and it is rainy and it's very cool Mm -hmm. so inside of the flying dutchman jack is able to use leverage to escape after talking to several different versions himself and he has made up his mind that he will stab davy jones heart and become the captain of the flying dutchman so he will live forever and so he attempts to do that. So he starts to fight with Davy Jones on one side as the naval battle begins. Um, so that's happening in one and he's fighting on top of the mast. And there's a great scene where Davy Jones just walks through the uh, like oh. this wooden pillar at him. Yes, he because okay, so Jack, I think they're fighting on the ground at first, and like Jack mm-hmm. flies up, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm safe." And then yeah, he just appears out of the mast. Oh, it's so cool. It's such a good use, like. I f- okay, we might not always understand the magic that's going on in these movies, but I genuinely – I can accept most of it, I think, because I believe that, like, the writers know what they're doing. Like, I feel like the magic doesn't contradict itself ever. Do you get that? I would agree with that. I, I think my only question is Davy Jones can appear on other people's ships. So, like, why does he never just show up on the Black Pearl and stab them all to death? But I guess he doesn't realize the Black Pearl is back until, like, later on. And then, you know, Color Becker probably doesn't want him to. Yeah, I guess maybe the only the only thing that is questionable is, like, the scope of Davy Jones's power. But, yes. like, I'm, I'm, I'm able to – I just will accept what they tell me is the scope because, like, I, be, I feel like they haven't given me reason. Okay, I feel like with any magic system in any universe, you have to – you know, you have to suspend disbelief initially. And then it's the it's only up to the creators, the writers and stuff to not fail you, like to not mess that up for you. Like you I feel like initially you have to take the leap of faith, but then they can ruin it. And Pirates has not ruined it. At least not in this movie. I think they might in the next two. Yeah. Yeah. We're just get, we're when we talk about these three, we just act like the others don't exist. Exactly. And um so the battle starts on the other ship as well, and Elizabeth and Will have made up for some reason, and um, yeah, they're like, I... Barbosa, will you marry us? And so Barbosa marries them in what I think is a pretty cool action sequence. Uh, I hate oh, it because yeah. I hate Will so much, and I'm sad that he gets what he wants, but it's, it's a cool <laughs> action sequence. Yes. No, I agree. Like, I... It's fun. It's funny. It's action-y. And it's just good. It's a good fight. Um, but yeah, Will getting what he wants is not fun. I do like that Elizabeth gets what she wants. I just think she doesn't know what she wants. So maybe she's like making a mistake. But it's fine. Uh, oh, we should also mention that 
uh, Davy Jones once Jack Sparrow shows up on the ship and he's kind of like free a little bit. Uh, he just stabs Mercer to death out of nowhere. And it is great. It's very earned. Like you're just wait. like the whole movie, you're just waiting for this voyeur to die. Like you're just like, just yeah, this, gets this, stabbed. Just this gross little perv. He's like, so excited when he gets stabbed. Wait, is he the, is, does he get killed from the tentacles? Yes. Oh no, it? you're right. He does. He, yeah, they put the tentacles up his nose. And that's a very fitting end for him, I think. Like, he was kind of into it, but... It's also like, such a brutal death. It is. It's disturbing. Like, his tentacles are very disturbing. Like, ima- I feel like I gagged while I watched that. Oh, it was it was gross. You know how we always say that, like, Barbosa is gross or Sal Fang is gross? This guy is the real gross one. He's, yeah, he's a squid, like, or an octopusy guy. I don't know. He's just a slimy motherfucker, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like, you have to imagine, he's, like, his whole body is covered in that same slime that came out of the Kraken onto Jack, right? Oh, you're right. It for sure is. Like, he just oozes and secretes that. Uh, uh I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. Yeah. Um, okay, so they're fighting, and let's see, how do they all end up on the same ship? Do Will and Elizabeth come over? Um, yeah, basically what happens is the ships, as they go down the whirlpool, get closer and closer and closer to each other. Um, and groups are swinging off and on, and uh, and that's there's... like quintessential pirate fight, right? I mean, yes, and Jack, swinging from masts. And Jack has the chest; he's stolen it from the two inept guards. Uh, fun fact with the two inept guards: I don't think we're going to need to talk about them anymore. But when they see that the Dutchman is losing, they put on pirate clothes and jump over to uh, the Black Pearl and pretend like they were there the entire time, which is super fun. Oh yeah, they're seeing like. It parallels their original scene with jack and just like jack convincing them just like making them argue with each other and then he gets what he wants it's great it's so good good callback uh so they're fighting for the chest it keeps getting like switched around the same way the key was in the first movie um yeah all this is all this is good stuff is happening uh, a lot of fighting back and forth everyone's trying to stab the heart and in the end uh davy jones stabs will turner using the sword that Davy Jones took from Norrington, which, if you remember from the first film, was the sword that Will Turner made that was perfectly wrought. So Will Turner is stabbed by his own sword, and if he had died right then, it would have made me so happy. <laughs> I wish Jack kept, like, being selfish. Like, I know, right? Okay, because then, okay, wait, 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 actually, this is actually really upsetting now. Because imagine what these movies... Like, if Jack was captain of the Flying Dutchman, like, they could have done something with that and not had to do the fourth and fifth movies. Oh, yeah, they could have done something. Like, there's potential there. I don't know what they could do, Like, but, like, ferrying souls? I don't know. They, like, uh, like, because you basically could have done a movie from Davy... What, what could have essentially been Davy Jones's perspective, like... As that life, and that would be interesting. Man, I would have, I would have loved that. Um, so Davy Jones is sort of gloating for a second, and then uh, you see a sword stab the heart, and you think it's Jack Sparrow, but it's Will Turner holding the sword, and Jack Sparrow is sort of guiding his hand. So Will Turner is the one to actually stab the heart, and then there is, I think. Uh, again, what makes Davy Jones a better character than a lot of than he might otherwise have been? 
he sort of clutches where his heart would be and he steps backward and he just whispers Calypso and he falls into the whirlpool and it is a great death for him I think yeah it uh, it's very epic it's very I am honestly like sad that he dies like I feel for him like even though he's the villain I guess I have I think they do a good good enough job developing his story that you kind of feel for the emotions that he must be experiencing especially like being a captive of the East India Trading Company yeah and there is something so compelling about him and the way he's written and I think especially the way he is performed that there is so many more layers than you would otherwise expect which I think is one of the reasons why he holds up so well I mean It'd be a lot harder to empathize if he, you know, looked terrible the whole time, but because he looks so real and because he has all of this going on, like, in his head, it's a lot more easy to root for him. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Okay, but on, I've got a question. Yes. (laughs) On Jack needing to guide Will's hand to stab the heart, um, you know, there always needs to be a captain. But if they had to cut out Will's heart anyway, like... Did he need to be the one to stab him? Or, like, could Jack have just stabbed him and then still cut out Will's heart and be like, all right, you're the captain, it's cool? I think they specifically say that whoever kills the last captain is the new captain. All right. I'll yield, I guess. I could be completely wrong about that. I mean, Mr. Gibbs didn't say it, so it doesn't count. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. Um, Um... yeah, and then what What happens? Is it Fade? No, they all... Do they all... Oh, no, every other ship, like, well, they just leave, don't they? So what happens is the Dutchman starts to go down. Uh, Will and Elizabeth uh, have, like... It, again, it's weirdly sexy. They weirdly sexily swing over to the Black Pearl. Uh, Barbosa is able to captain them out of the Whirlpool as the Whirlpool pulls down the Flying Dutchman, and it disappears. Um... And then color back. And you think says, you might be rid of Will forever. for a moment. Thank Christ he's gone. Orlando Bloom is beneath the ocean, rotting away. Um, but no, sadly, uh, a second later, not a second later. It feels like it feels like too short. Is my point. Uh, the flying Dutchman comes back up. They have cut Will's heart out. He is the undead captain of the Flying Dutchman. Maybe he was the dead man, and it was his chest, but it just happened a movie later. Yeah. It it is too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We thought we were gone for a while. And there's... I actually think this is a really underrated scene, but Color Beckett is... has He's he's feeling good. He's like, okay, well, the Flying Dutchman... uh, is not destroyed, it's just resurfaced. We're gonna go destroy these pirates. We have a bigger armada, we're gonna destroy them. And then the Flying Dutchman starts sailing at him, and the Black Pearl starts sailing at him, and he's like, Oh no. Oh no. My my colonializing ass is about to be grass. Um Yeah, you and- can see like the deflation of his emotions. Like he he's like, oh shit, it's over. <laughs> And there's this great sort of slow motion sequence where they are just destroying his ship with a flurry of cannonballs. And he is just walking down the staircase and it's exploding behind him. Oh, it's so beautiful. It looks so good. It's a better death than he deserves, but my God, is it a good death scene for him? Yeah, yeah. No, I love when, like, 
the particles that are blowing up look it's just like every part keeps fracturing more and more and more and it, oh, it's so visually stunning it's just the, and i think this movie has the best visuals of any of them because there are just so many scenes that i really remember from this one that the other ones don't have i think yeah i agree i i actually i like i'm very impressed with the whoever did like the cinematography for these movies i think it, i'm pretty sure i looked it up at one point and it's like the same guy oh let's see darius wolski i Ooh. think that sounds like a fake each name. One. I know, and there's like a Z at the end of Darius. Like it's it's Darius. Better. It's but uh, yeah, no. Pro- hats off to him. I think he does like a great job. Well, anyway, now that that's all over, uh, Will and Elizabeth can finally fuck. So I'm I'm. It doesn't. I don't think it happens on screen. So I'm gonna just still chalk it up to it's either Pintle or Rigetti. <laughs> What you do see, though, is, like, it's it's too sexy, I think. It is very sexy. It's, yeah. It's, it's like, Will nibbling up her leg, and she's wearing his boot. And it's, like, it is the sauciest thing I've ever seen it's so in a hot. PG-13 movie. It is, it is way, way, way too hot. Yeah. I love like, it. Like, I guess I just tried to imagine, like, anyone but Will doing that to her. I know. And that's, and that's why like, it's a great shot, because you can't see all of his face. Yeah, so you can just be like, eh, it's not actually a, a little fan service. <laughs> just imagine that with Pintle or Kenny instead. <laughs> yeah. God, their grubby grubby mouth climbing up the leg. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she basically, that's where we leave them. They He disappears to be the captain of the Flying Dutchman and Fairy Souls, along with his father, who he's reunited with, who's no longer a weird slug creature. And um, he gives Elizabeth his heart because because she's at his heart the entire time. And it's it's cute, but it's dumb. But it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. And then, wait, let's see. Oh, and then with the pirates, Barbosa's like, trying to find the Fountain of Youth. And then... He basically... Right, he, this... he, he double-crosses Jack for only the second time, I will add. And he leaves when Jack is ashore. And uh, he goes to find the Fountain of Youth, leaving Jack uh, stranded on deck. Uh, with Jack, Gibbs. With Gibbs. They have a nice scene together where Jack basically uh, acts as Gibbs' wingman and tries to get him laid with a couple of ladies of the evening. And then Jack sets off in a tiny little ship, very much like the first one that he was in in the first movie, and is attempting to find the Fountain of Youth. And Barbosa opens his map and he finds that the Jack has cut out the middle of it. So it'll be very hard for him to find it. And the last scene you see of the movie proper is Jack sailing away, singing It's a Pirate's Life for Me, which is a great end to his character. And that's how it I'm going to remember him. There. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie, like it, I wish that the, the ones that come after it, I wish they were just a whole new cast. Like, they, there could maybe be, like, relation... Like, literally, give us, like, Will and Elizabeth's kid. Like, I I thought that's was going to be looked into or something. But, like, you know, I would love... I love the connection to, old, like, these characters. But I don't... Like, we're done with these characters, basically. I, I would agree. I mean, I think the only characters that I think I would like to see in a sequel are some of the side characters. Just to keep that... You know, keep that going. Um, yeah. And, like, I'd honestly be okay with cameos, like, from some yes. of them. Like, yeah. you know, maybe they see Captain Jack Sparrow, like, in prison, and he does, like, a daring escape, and they're able to, like, escape with him, and then he goes off to do his own thing. Like, something like that might be fun. 
or like seeing Barbosa as like a like the new pirate king, that might be really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think cameos would be fantastic. And like, do you know anything about the one that's supposedly coming out? I just in know the that future. I know Johnny Depp is supposed to be in it, but I think he's going to be in it less. Because I know who what's what's is it Margot Robbie in it? I think. I think Margot Robbie is in it, or, or is I know Karen Gilliam's in it, or Gillian is in it. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see if it ever gets made because movies aren't really being made right now. I know, but I I, I feel like because I think these movies like formulaically, like you need a Jack Sparrow type person. I don't you know I don't want it to be Jack Sparrow, but I think like if they have Margot Robbie kind of fill that role they could take it elsewhere but like keep the vibe of these movies you know like kind of reboot the franchise and try to do something different i i would agree with that i think that would be a fun way of of doing it and i think margot robbie has a very similar kind of manic energy that she can muster yeah no exactly like did you see uh her as harley quinn at all in anything fuck no I, okay. I wouldn't. I mean, I've seen clips of it, and she seems very good in that. But that movie looks like a fucking train wreck. No. Okay. I didn't. I didn't see whatever Suicide Squad or whatever. But the Harley, like Birds of Prey, and whatever long title with Harley Quinn, is actually a phenomenal movie. Like really. Yes. I I really really liked it. Um, like it made, and I like, love her. No money at the box office. I I did it get any. What were the reviews like? Middling, I think. Really? I think it's, like, phenomenal. Oh, like, 78 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's good. Okay. Like, the story's good. It's very, like, empowering, honestly. And I fucking loved it. It's good. Like, I want I want that energy from her, like, in the Pirates. Like, I'm very excited about, like, the future of Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, because she's attached right now. Okay, yeah. I mean, if she was, if she's playing like a Jack Sparrow type character, I would be so down for that. Yeah, and I know, um, with the ride in Disneyland, um, they've like introduced a new pirate. They've like taken some stuff out, some of like the more problematic uh, stuff in the ride, and they've put in like this new character, Red. And like, they, I don't know any of this. Like, it's hard to give a character a story in a ride. I think, like, fully fleshed out, but. Like, if she plays that character and they flesh that out, that could... I feel like that's the marketing ploy, honestly. That'd be real good. And like I said, I would love to see Zoe Saldana back. Like, I would... What about... Hear, hear, hear me out on this. What if it's... Zoe Saldana is the main character, and she teams up with Will's shitty son and his shitty love interest from the fifth one, if they want to, like... You know, if you want to have them there just to have the love story, which I don't think you necessarily need. But she teams up with them because she's like Jack Sparrow still owes me a ship and between movies one and two he left me for dead somewhere and i am unhappy with that and then they find uh margot robbie along the way who is like the jack sparrow type character and jack sparrow was actually sort of the villain of this one like it's all about getting a ship she wants the black pearl back because she feels that you know he stole that from her and so i think that would be really fun that would be fun and then, like, you could just have Jack be, like, a cam- he could basically just have screen time as the cameo, like, towards the end. Like, he doesn't have to be in the whole thing. Yeah, he could just be, like, in the in the climax of it. Ooh, that would be fun. We need to get, we need to get at the helm of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We gotta take the wheel. 
No, I was thinking, like, because I listened to uh, Matt Gorley and Paul Rust's podcast on, uh, God, why am I playing? Friday the 13th, like that Which is a callback to my earlier joke, by the way. Exactly. Um, And they, like, you can just hear, like, the pat, like, there's so much passion in their discussions about the movies, even, like, the bad ones. And they're, like... Like, I want them at the helm of that franchise, you know? And, like, what's what are the guys who rebooted Halloween recently? Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Not, not Danny, the Rob Zombie Danny, one. Mc, Danny McBride and Wait, someone what? else. That was Danny McBride? What? Wasn't it? Like, Danny McBride, like, the, the actor from, like, Eastbound and Down, and the one who always plays, like, a dick in all the Seth Rogen movies? Yes. He produced the Halloween movie? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Did he? Oh, oh wait. Let me look this up because this is like a big claim. That sounds like a really big claim. No, I'm friend. almost certain him and like another comedian were the ones that like. Let's see. Oh God, am I wrong? Who was it? Let's see. Well, I know it was Blumhouse. Yes. Did it, no. Right? Yeah, he did. He, it. He was the co-writer and executive producer of Halloween. Oh, that one. is actually so good. That makes me really want to see that movie now. It's incredible. You haven't seen it. No, I haven't. I wanted to watch oh. the like original couple first. I no, know I need to watch all of them, but like I no, want to watch this, at least this is, too. Yeah, you. I think this one is this one basically just rewrites everything after the first movie, maybe the second. Um, yeah, dude. No, yeah, Danny McBride. Yeah, okay, I was right. But it's like these comedians who like are just so passionate about these projects and these franchises and like the IP that like the new Halloween is what came out of it. And I think it's a phenomenal movie. And like, I just would love to see a Friday the 13th movie written by Matt Gorley and Paul Rust. And then, and, and now you want to see it. Pirates of the Caribbean. Written by <laughs> yes. Us. Yes. Um, not to say that I'm of the same caliber as any of them, but like, like I just want, like there's so much potential in these, these franchises. Right. And I think that's why I love franchises is like, they're, there are duds, obviously, but like you can, the ones that thrive and the ones that are good, they're really good, right? And they're like really fun, and like you get this huge following behind it because they're just fantastic. And like I want to see a movie done about these with that same passion, I guess. I I completely agree, and I think there's a big reason that Pirates of the Caribbean was such a big part of the childhoods of so many people our age. Like there's just something about it that captured the imagination of just yeah. so many people. And it was just fun. And I, I think a large part of that is the music and the idea that you can put yourself into this world. And I don't know, it's just, there's something very magical about this particular franchise, at least again, the first three movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so now that we have, Oh, we should mention there's one last scene at the end of the third one. Uh, after the credits, uh, Will uh, comes back uh, to the human world. There's a flash of green light, and he meets his son and Kara Knightley for the first time, which I have a lot of questions, mainly. What has Kara Knightley been doing this whole time? Like, Yeah, she's is, just alone on this island? <laughs> like, Yeah, has she left this... Like, is this supposed to be Port Royal again? Like, is... Her father died. Like, it, does she get his inheritance? Like, does is she the lady governor now? I, I don't know how any of these things work. Like, she seems to have a pretty comfortable life, but I, I kind of don't like the fact that she's on land. I would prefer if she was 
you know, still the Pirate King. Um, yeah, pirating around. Like, she doesn't just forgo that title, does she? My my theory, and hear me out, is that she used her influence to gain uh, a role in the new East India Company, and that maybe she's making it a little bit more pirate-like. That, I think, would be a good arc hmm. for her, is to, like, you know, ruin the East India Company, what's left of it from within. But that's entirely headcanon. Wait, but okay, foreshadowing, or not foreshadowing, but like t- tipping into a little bit of what happens in the next movies. Doesn't uh, Barbosa get some sort of like title with the East India Trading Company, or is that just like some government? Yeah, Barbosa becomes a privateer with the government. So I don't know if he's part of the East India Company, but I could easily see him being that. Barbosa is all over the place in the, the sequels, and he's still, I think, the best part of them. But like, it's <laughs> but like but okay like along those lines though like yeah i think it fits with what you're saying like she maybe leveraged her way like they all like the pirate lords are like pirating is dying right i mean that's kind of the theme of of this movie i think yeah and like though they win like they win one battle right like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. all they that's all they win like um so maybe they do they have to like leverage their power into these more traditional uh acceptable facets i guess yes and then it can be a comment on oh capitalism is basically just piracy yeah i okay with that honestly i think that's perfect yes i like i like this a lot um that's we'll explore these themes in the sequel that we write with margot robbie with jack sparrow is the villain I okay. We're gonna write the sequel. It may never get produced. It may never be seen. But we are gonna write this sequel. Maybe like once we get it all figured out, we we review our own sequel as if it actually happened. <gasps> oh, that's good. Yes. Okay. That'll keep that'll keep people coming back because nobody really wants to watch the next two movies. But we will tease them with our uh, better trilogy, or not better, equally as good trilogy. Yeah, do you think we could write a third movie to finish off the bad trilogy to make it good? Ooh. Mm, I don't really want to touch that. <laughs> I feel like we should we should write the first to a new trilogy that's like better. Okay, I agree with like, that. Like completely new. That. Yes. Completely new. Just taking off it's the fourth one again. Like we do what these other big franchises like once you get into like five or six movies, you can basically just start changing your continuity and just like disregarding um, previous movies. <laughs> and like I think that's what we do with our trilogy. We'll just disregard four and five. I love that. I think that'd be pretty easy to do. Like Jack yeah, Spurrier just too. wakes up and he's like, "What happened?" And Gibbs is like, "Barbosa stole <laughs> your Gibbs, shit about yeah. five minutes ago." <laughs> I think yes. We'll just have Gibbs right away. We can have the Gibbs narration. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh we're on to something. We are so on to something. Well, anyway, that'll be a future episode, though. Let's let's wrap up our thoughts on this film and this franchise, shall we? Let's do it. What, uh, what would you rank this one? Or how would you... What, what are we doing? One out of ten. Yes. This one is, I think, my favorite by a fair bit. But I also think it is of the original three, also probably the most flawed one. I think it has the highest highs, but a couple of the lowest lows. Uh, I think the Cao Fang uh, scene where he attempts to assault Elizabeth really is unnecessary and drags the movie down a bit. I think it does get a little bit convoluted in who's betraying who, but like that final whirlpool fight, the opening scene, the scene with uh, Calypso, and just the performances all around, I think it 
those are just incredible highs. I would probably give this one a, I think I gave the last one eight and a half out of 10. Yeah, I, I would probably so. give this one probably an eight out of 10. But that being said, it is my favorite. So if I was to rank them, I would say it goes two, three, one. I think the first one is great, but I feel like they got more interesting as it went on. And that was sort of a basic story. Yeah, I think my, okay, I would give, well, let's see, I believe I gave it 8.5 to the first one, a 9 to the second one, and I think I'd give this one an 8. Um, I, I think just in terms of, I, I, like, once I grew up out of, you know, just watching them when I was younger, I genuinely think that this, as a trilogy, works, like, fantastically, and each movie sort of fills um, its spot in a trilogy very well um and just personally i like the third part in any trilogy to me is just usually uh lack like like a little bit lackluster like and like it's not to say this one isn't great i just it's not i like the i don't like the climax i guess essentially like when i'm reading things or like watching things i like the build-up more so than i do the climax usually they just usually can't fill i don't know fill that role for me so yeah yeah i would get i would say second one is probably my favorite and i think the best and then i would go one and three i think that's i think that's very fair um i the one thing i would say is the second one it it's not quite as definitive as either the first one or the third one. I feel like these two stand on their own a little bit more. And the second one, you need to watch the third one to understand the rest of it. While I feel like Gibbs explains enough about what has happened in the previous <laughs> two movies that you could watch this one and have a decent understanding of it. Yeah. Um, I would also like to say that I think this might be the best third part of a trilogy because <clears throat> it's certainly better, I think, than Return of the Jedi at summing up stuff. It's yes. better than Revenge of the Sith, which I do think is the best movie in the prequel trilogy, but it's still not a great movie. Um, <laughs> it's better than the new Star Wars, uh, Rise of Skywalker, which I did not like. Uh, I liked, but uh, yeah. And it's better than certainly Back to the Future 3, I think. Um, well, we've, we've talked about this. Like, I'm not good with Back to the Future. I just dislike those in general, usually. Yeah. And that's fair. Uh, I think the only thing that this really compares to is Return of the King, because both of them are very epic, and I think both of them have the highest highs in the franchise and also the lowest lows. Uh, they're also both three fucking hours long. Yeah, so fucking long. Um, there are a couple things that I think really put the writing of these movies apart that I think someone could use to make a good franchise. And if you don't mind, I think we should dissect those just real fast, just a summary yeah. of what really worked in this franchise. Um, okay. For starters, I think all of the acting, except for maybe Orlando Bloom, really holds up. And the character of Jack Sparrow to create such a roguish, charming, and funny uh, side protagonist really makes you care more about the main actors and really adds a lot to uh, how much the audience cares about these characters. I think that making uh, one specific character as the exposition machine normally does not work, but Mr. Gibbs is so charming that it usually does. And the yeah. other thing I think this 
franchise does incredibly is make compelling and interesting villains who later, like with Barbosa, become heroes themselves or who perhaps uh, have very sympathetic origins. We understand where they're coming from and we might even root for them like Davy Jones. And I yeah. think all of that creates a lot of great conflict because even though you want the pirates to win, you understand where everyone is coming from. I also think the overall theme of freedom versus sort of this consumerist capitalism represented by the East India Company, I think that's really interesting and that makes these movies uh, a lot more, I don't want to say bearable, but it, it puts a point to them that a lot of other franchises might not have as much. And finally, I think it's just a lot of really fun set pieces put together by a plot that, again, you can't always follow it, but even if you can't, something interesting is happening at all times. So yeah, you just, don't have to. Yeah, it's it. the perfect mix of action and comedy and acting. And I think that's why this trilogy holds up so well for me. Yeah, and that's why you're the host, Dean, because that was perfect. Um, I have, like, nothing to add. I, I mean, they're just – everything feels fleshed out. Like, the world is fleshed out by these characters, even the side ones, and you – root for and or at least understand everyone's motives i think i i completely agree so i just have one more question to round out our our first uh trilogy uh for this franchise um what character do you think you are and what character do you think i am oh gosh i feel like you should have asked me this like weeks ago so i could think um but i want to put you on the spot because there's nothing a podcast audience loves more than on-air silence just waiting and waiting i think okay i think you're kind of akin hmm i'm i'm between like jack sparrow and someone else but i don't know who that someone else would be as long as it's not fucking will turner i'm very it's happy it's not will turner no it's not will turner i would never put that on you um i'm gonna keep thinking of who i'm who i'm trying to think of for your other reference and then i'm gonna try to think of who i am all right because i i have an answer for who i think you are okay it, what it, is, it, what is that i hear me out i feel like you're kind of davy jones before the movies start like you're human davy jones because I feel like you have a good sense of honor that you would do like what is necessary for like you know the love of your life, the sea, um, and that you know you you have this power as well. I don't think you turn to a gross squid man, but like oh thank you. I, I kind of like the idea of you being pre Davy Jones, and if you can't be pre Davy Jones, then you're for sure Norrington. Oh, I would accept either of those. Okay, so I'm so here's what I'm torn between for you. Like I think you are. You have all the charisma of Jack, but, like, you have the direction and, like, not the stupid. Like, like uh, who's just, like, a smarter Jack Sparrow? Like, a more aimed or targeted Jack Sparrow is what I'm trying to think of. Sort of Barbosa, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I think you're Barbosa. I think, hmm. I do love to spit when I talk. <laughs> I maybe that's what it is. I think you you know you know what your character is just Captain of the Black Pearl. Like <laughs> anyone who's ever held the mantle of Captain of the Black Pearl, I think you embody Zoe like, Saldana in our upcoming film. 
Yes. <laughs> we need to get in touch with her. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's a good cross. Like Barbosa and Jack. Oh, I, I like that. I like that. That's that's far too kind. So who because... who would you say you are? Oh, sorry. Um, you're not, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm that was pretty much like yeah, I'm just I literally like that reading. I think you like you're not necessarily Jack or Barbosa. You are simply you are the captain. You are Captain Dean Ingalls of the Black Pearl. You know. <laughs> um, and then let's see, who do I think I am? Well, I mean, your reading for Davy Jones was kind of awesome. Um, but I honestly, if I'm being, this is really sad. Like, I feel like I need to talk to a therapist about this. But I feel like I'm probably like a Will Turner dude. <laughs> honestly, oh, like, why do you think you're Will Turner? I don't know. Maybe it's like low self-esteem, <laughs> but like I think you do have the best beard of anyone I know. Oh, thank you. Um, I just I think Will has like these lofty goals or ideals, right? And like these dreams, but he is he's more talk than he is action, right? Like I think he talks this huge game, but really he doesn't follow through on it. I don't think but that's then I'm, you. But then I'm going to turn into the captain of the Dutchman. Like, but then like it's going to end up like it's going to work out. Like I'm oh, going to get what somewhere. What about this? If you're the captain, if I'm the captain of the Black Pearl, then maybe you're just the captain of the Dutchman. You're a mix of pre Davy Jones and <gasps> post Will Turner. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of dope. Yeah. Oh, actually, and that fits because Norrington was the admiral of the Dutchman as well. You're just all the all the human characters on the Dutchman. Oh my gosh! Wow, are we just okay? You're spiritually the Black Pearl, and I'm spiritually the Flying Dutchman. That is a fantastic read. I'm gonna stick to that. I love it. And I'm actually like, you need to start calling like I need to be referred to as Captain of the Flying Dutchman. Like it, if I'm not there, and like you're referring to Carter in the third person. It needs to be the captain of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, what did you do today, Dane? Oh, I did my podcast with uh, Carter. You know, the captain of the Flying Dutchman. Yes. Oh, oh, that's it. I'm like that is gold. I I think that is a perfect, perfect. I think that's a perfect uh, characterization. Ah, we figured this out. So now I think we're gonna ask the listeners, what character are they? What what ship are they captaining? Who's captaining the Endeavor? Who's captaining the Interceptor? Who's captaining uh, Sao Fang's ship? I don't remember what the name of that one was. Uh, let us know on social media, if we have a social media, which I'm not sure we do. We will, at the time of this release. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. We won't say it now because it doesn't exist yet. Ah, uh, the magic of editing, am I right? Yes. <laughs> Well, with that, I mean, we almost – we're longer than one of the movies, I think. We're as long as the fifth one. Right on. We did it. This is a success. This is. Well, thank you guys and gals and people and folks so much for joining us on this crazy ride through the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Uh, it has been a blast going through these movies, and we are excited to announce that our next franchise – uh, for Analyze Presents Disenfranchised will be the uh, Hannibal Lecter franchise. We're going to go into some fun, fun cannibal psychiatry. Yeah, and I think between now and then, we'll be doing little mini episodes that are more focused on just like one movie or like a comparison of a couple uh, that are like more standalone episodes. 
Uh, and then eventually we'll get to the rest of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, not sure how long we'll drag our feet on that, though. It's going to be a while, because we gotta we got to do three in a row and finish off with our better version. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're also planning on launching a few other podcasts on this same network that tackle similar things. Uh, some of these will be one-offs. Some of them will be shorter. This, I think, Disenfranchised will be our main one. But we also want to talk a little bit about the craft of writing because we're both terrible writers. And um, we are also interested in talking about the idea of fandoms as a whole. So we have we have some ideas coming. And thank you guys so much for listening. I don't know if anyone's actually listening. But if you are, then you're hearing this. So you are. <laughs> Wait, should we? We haven't talked about this at all. Well, I'll edit this down. But should we like... What are your thoughts on having just random guests, like random pe- Like if people are listening and they're like, oh, I want to talk about this, like, would you be open to that? I'd be so open. I mean, can you do that? Uh, can you edit it so that you can combine three sound files in one? I think so. Then, yeah, if you can do that, then I'm super down. Okay, then maybe, yeah, let's put out like a call to to our 10 listeners. <laughs> Uh, 10 is generous. I know. My mom will listen 10 times. Um, yeah, we can just uh, – well, we can figure that out in a little later. We don't. Have, I can add that audio yeah. in after. But I'm a big fan of figuring out things on air where everyone has to just listen to it. They just have to listen and they have to listen to this entire com- – I love – yeah, actually Comedy Bang Bang does that and they're like, we'll cut that, like, cut that out. And he's like, no, we're going to leave it. <laughs> yeah. One last thing about Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, incredible score. I just have to say that one more time. Yeah. Oh, we should. Should we plug whoever? What's the? What's their name? That's, I don't think it's Hans, uh, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Is it? Yeah. I thought I thought I looked and I thought it wasn't. Are you sure? I want to make a bet. No, but I'm already on Wikipedia. Let's see. Uh, you um, fucking coward. Music by. Oh, there's a couple people. Oh, okay. That's what it is. The, the first one is done from someone different. It's Klaus Badelt does the first one, who's known for collaborations with Hans Zimmer, and then Hans Zimmer does two through four, it looks like. And Wait, then, so the original Pirates theme isn't Hans Zimmer? I guess not. It's it. Let's see. Let me... That seems wrong. That seems so wrong. No, the, the, the Wikipedia says Klaus Badelt. It does say Klaus Badelt. That is bizarre. I always thought that was. But all maybe Hans it's Zimmer. like a collaboration because it does like his Wikipedia, like literally on the first in the description of the pop up is like he is known for his collaborations with Hans Zimmer. So maybe he is Hans Zimmer. Like maybe this like is one of those version. Mitt Romney peer delecto things. Ooh, I'd be into that. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's see. So okay. So shout out to them. <laughs> Shout out to Klaus Belt and to Hans Zimmer for two, well, three great scores, actually. Yeah, three great scores. <laughs> and uh, yeah, bye, I guess. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you in about a week. Well, we won't see you. We'll hear you. You're, you'll you'll hear, hear us. us. Oh, man, we're spiraling. Let's let's sink this ship, let's, shall we? Yeah, goodbye. Let's scuttle these pirates. Bye, everyone. Bye.